A quick content note here before we begin this episode of What Am I Rolling? This episode's one-shot, Bluebeard's Bride, is a supernatural horror game, and it's intentionally designed to push the limits of the intellectual dark side and exercise our twisted imaginations. That said, it means there is the possibility for people who are listening to be emotionally overwhelmed or upset by the content that we explore in this one-shot. I just want to take a moment to reiterate that before recording, the players and myself did our own boundaries check and went over some RPG safety tools, just to make sure that we were good to play. You can find links to such resources in the detailed show notes of this episode. For those of you listening, please be aware that there is content in this one-shot which is intentionally disturbing and uncomfortable. So, do take a break, or skip this one-shot should you need to. Content warnings include, and are not limited to, body horror, betrayal, relationships and the breakdown of relationships, lack of agency, emotional manipulation eating disorders, and violence towards women. Thanks for listening, and stay safe, my friends. Hello, and welcome to What Am I Rolling? A twice-monthly RPG one-shot podcast, hosted by me, Fiona. This week, I'm joined by my friends Hazel, Mariam, Vivian... David and Amy for Bluebeard's Bride, a tabletop role-playing game of supernatural horror set in a familiar fairy tale, written by Whitney Strix Beltran, Marissa Kelly, and Sarah Richardson, and published by Magpie Games. A young bride is wed to an ugly but powerful man with a blue beard. He invites her to explore the house, but One room is forbidden. Eventually, the young bride falls prey to her curiosity and opens it, discovering a most gruesome display inside. You can find out more information about Bluebeard's Bride and get your own copy on the official Magpie Games website. That's magpiegames.com forward slash bluebeards dash bride. I'll add links to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. So, as you might have guessed, this one-shot is a little bit different to our previous one-shots, as I ran it live for the Drunken Storytellers podcast on their Twitch channel. This episode's audio was taken from that live stream and has only been edited slightly to take out the breaks in the stream. You can watch the original unedited stream on the Drunken Storytellers YouTube channel. I'll put a link to it on the What Am I Rolling website and in this episode's show notes. I just wanted to give a massive thank you and shout out to the Drunken Storytellers podcast for allowing me to run this particular one shot for them. The Drunken Storyteller podcast is a podcast where the host, David, explores the world's myths, legends and stories, whilst while having a few drinks. If you're interested in diving deep into folklore, then I highly recommend checking out this podcast. Recently, David did an incredibly detailed episode on the original Bluebeard fairy tale, which inspired the RPG. So I've put a link to it in this episode's show notes if you're keen to know more. As Bluebeard's Bride breaks up quite nicely into distinct sections, I go through each section and the rules as they come up on the live stream. One last thing before we begin. Naturally, there are times in this one-shot where the players and myself, mostly myself, get the rules wrong or forget something plot-wise. 
whilst we always endeavour to stick to the rules wherever possible, at the end of the day, we all make mistakes. And what matters most is that everyone enjoys themselves. So, with all that out of the way, let's play Bluebeard's Bride. And we are live, I hope. Yes, we are. Cool. <laughs> um, welcome, cool. everybody, this evening uh, to the Drunken Storytellers podcast. Not podcast. This is not the podcast. This is the live nope. stream. Good job. Um, it's going well. exactly what I'm doing. I'm professional, me. Um, yeah, we play uh, Drunken Storytellers Twitch stream. We are playing some Bluebeard's Bride today. Um, I'm just going to quickly introduce everybody a little bit of what's going on and then hand over to our uh, GM who's going to be next to me. So we have today, we've got, in fact, we'll just go around and everybody can introduce us. I'm not going to introduce you. You will know who you are. Uh, we'll start with Fiona. Who are you? Uh, hi, everyone. My name is Fiona and I am the groundskeeper or games master for tonight's show. And I'm looking forward to going in and I'll nominate the next person. So I will go with Hazel. Would you like to introduce yourself? Hello, I am Hazel, uh, and I will be playing the animals for this show. I will nominate, sorry, Miriam. That's all right. Hi, I'm Miriam, and I will be playing the fatal of this bride. Ooh. You want and to? I will nominate uh, Vivian. Hi. My name's Vivian, and I am going to be playing Mother in this game. <laughs> um, I'll nominate. Uh, there's only one person left, I think. <laughs> 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 Amy. <laughs> I'm, I'm Amy, and I'll be playing the witch. And David, would you like to introduce what, who you're playing? Yep. Uh, I, I'm playing the virgin. Um... So, yeah, um, just a, a little bit of housekeeping on my side before I hand over fully to Fiona. Um, as I say, we are playing a game called Bluebeard's Bride today. I released a podcast episode yesterday where I tell the story in a very, very different vein to probably the story Fiona's going to tell us in a minute. Um, and I delve into kind of the background of the actual uh, tale itself and where it comes from and uh, the connections to... The, the role play that we're playing today and its ideas of how it's connected to feminist folklore. So if you want to go and check that out, go over onto any of your podcast areas and find uh, The Drunken Storyteller and you'll see it on there. It went up live yesterday and I've had a, I've had some good feedback already from it. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite happy with that one. <laughs> um, Amazing work. Other than that, the other thing that I am doing, which I'm going to put up here for the moment is I am... That's not worked. I am running the London Marathon. Mm -hmm. um, well, I'm, I'm training to run the London Marathon. Uh, I am going to be running it for a charity called No Man Is an Island, and these are a HPV and anal cancer awareness charity. Their aim is to eradicate 5% of cancers that are caused by HPV. So um, please do go check them out. Uh, there's a Just Giving link I've just put into the chat as well. So um, they're a great charity. A friend of mine runs them as well. So. Um, that's kind of cool. And 
other than that, I think that's me done. Uh, we'll that's hand over done. now to Fiona to give us everything. I've already put the content warning up as well, so you can... Cool. Well, I will, I will go into it anyway. Well, thank, thank you, you so much, well. David. And yes, please go do support. I mean, who the hell goes to run a marathon? That guy does. So please go support that. But... Hello, and welcome to our Bluebeard Bride stream. Um, just in case you're unaware, Bluebeard Bride is a tabletop role-playing game of supernatural horror set in a familiar fairy tale. Uh, you may have heard the tale itself, and we will tell retell it again just so that people are aware. But the short of it is this. There is one room in Bluebeard's uh, house that is forbidden to his bride, but eventually she falls prey to her curiosity and opens it only to discover gruesome evidence that her husband is a killer of women. Tonight, these wonderful players will be exploring the rooms of Bluebeard's home as his bride, creating our own beautifully tragic version of this dark fairy tale. Each player, as has already been sort of uh, noted, I guess, uh, is going to take on an aspect of the bride's psyche, a sister, if you call it, and they will guide the bride through Bluebeard's house armed with little more than a set of keys. Each of them will take turns speaking as these aspects of her psyche would speak, deciding what actions the bride will take, pushing the bride deeper into the mysteries of each room. Their aim is to gather tokens and to see if Bluebeard is truly a monster or not, whilst also encountering horrors along the way. Eventually, these sisters will make their way to the final room and seal the bride's fate forever. Now, sisters may not always agree, mimicking the internal struggles we all sometimes feel when confronted with difficult choices. But remember that the bride and our experience of this game is stronger for these types of conflicts and disagreements. Uh, the rules itself, which we'll go into as we play, uh, involves some, involve some negotiation and a bit of chance. Sometimes a player will wear Bluebeard's red wedding ring and directly control the bride's actions. Other times they may roll dice to determine what happens next. The important thing to say is that no one person directly controls a story, not even I as the groundskeeper who portrays various servants and horrors they may meet along the way. So before we st start into the story and start our character creation, because we do need to do a little bit of that, I just want to take a moment. We've already done it already, thanks to David's wonderful introduction, but I thought we'd do it again, um, to set some expectations and do some content warnings for today's session. Bluebeard Bride is designed to push the limits of our intellectual dark side and exercise everyone's twisted imaginations. But this means that there is a possibility for some people to get emotionally overwhelmed or upset by that content. Off camera, we've done our own group boundaries and foundries check with a traffic light system of lines and veils and gone over the safety tool of the X card. But for those of you who are watching or listening to this stream, please be, please be aware that there may be some content in tonight's game that is disturbing and uncomfortable by nature. So be kind to yourself and do take a break or skip the session should you need to. Right, with all that sort of admin and household out of the way, I have a story to tell you. You might have heard it. It's called Bluebeard's Bride. So, the story of Bluebeard. Once upon a time, there lived a lord whose palace was so splendid and so richly furnished that even the sultans could not be compared with it. He had dishes of gold and silver, sofas and chairs upholstered in the finest of silk. His, the walls were adorned with every kind of, curia, of curious antique. 
There was, however, something very odd about this lord. The colour of his beard was a rich and shocking blue. His countenance was both distinct and unmistakable, and so he would, and so he was, ne he was never spoken of by his real title, which was a grand and noble. But instead, he was simply referred to as Bluebeard. He was a fearsome man with deep-set eyes and was, even, and was known for having an uneven temper. Even so, Bluebeard had been married many times. No one, no one quite knew what had, hap what had become of each, of each one of his wives in turn, as there'd never been a funeral at the palace that anyone living could remember. They just simply vanished. And when time passed, he would marry anew. One day, Bluebeard went hunting in the countryside near his estate. With the sun high, he came upon a dilapidated farmstead and wished to slay his first and rest. The farmers were eager to please the powerful lord and sent their lovely young daughter scurrying to serve him with tea and bread. Bluebeard was instantly smitten with her beauty. He decided then that he would take her as, as his wife. For a week, he entertained her amongst a cadre of fine lords and ladies. No expense was spared. His wealth was dazzling in the way a cobra dazzles a mouse. After a single, uh, after a single hedonistic week, Bluebeard came to call with a marriage proposal. Bluebeard scared the young woman, but she couldn't let her family languish in, pov in poverty. And besides, maybe his beard wasn't quite that blue. She accepted his proposal. In short, in short order, they were married at the palace, and such a sight it was. A thousand white lilies decorated the pagoda for the ceremony. Delightful incense burned throughout the night. The young bride awoke the next morning in her bed alone, her marriage yet unconsummated. This caused her some amount of anxiety but also relief. She was escorted by a servant to the dining hall, and there she found Bluebeard breaking his fast. He greeted her cheerily and bade her eat. Bluebeard informed her that he had received urgent news and must leave at once on a journey of much importance and would be, and would be likely to be gone for many weeks. To console her, he kissed her affectionately and gave her the keys to every door in the house. He bade her to amuse herself in his absence. Here, he said, are the keys to your new home. The smallest key, my dear, is one is for the closet at the end of the great gallery. Open everything, go everywhere, save this one little room. I forbid you to use that key. The bride promised faithfully to obey his orders. She stood waving to him as the from the palace gates as his caravan of camels and horses kicked up a trail of dust as they departed. No sooner was he gone that she began to wonder what could possibly be hidden behind the forbidden door. Did he hide disturbing habitats? Oops, sorry, say that again. Did he, did he hide disturbing habits or unseemly desires? Was there some secret treasure known only to those of noble blood? Did he hide a mistress? Or was it something too terrible for her, for her innocent mind to guess at? She distracted herself from the idea with an exploration of the palace. She inspected the galleries, each one magnificent and splendid, more so than the last. 
She tried on exotic furs and rubbed herself in priceless oils. She visited the servants in the kitchen, which caused quite a stir and luxuriated in the steamy marble baths. All the while, her curiosity was gnawing at her. Was not the palace now her domain? Did not her husband trust her with his secrets? She idled in her bedchambers, becoming lethargic and gloomy. The splendour of her surroundings took on a sour bent, and she could not take any pleasure in them. Finally, she couldn't resist the siren call of the forbidden door no longer. In the pitch of night, she took a single lamp and descended a back staircase to the gallery. Upon reaching the closet door, she paused, remembering her husband's command. She feared what might happen if she disobeyed, but the impulse of her curiosity was too strong to resist. With trembling hands, she fit the small key into the lock and opened the door. At first, the weak lamplight she could with the weak at first with the weak lamplight she couldn't see much. As her eyes adjusted, she realized what was in the room. The floor was covered in congealing blood and the walls were lined with headless bodies, Bluebeard's previous wives. A great scream tore itself from her throat as she dropped the key. It was a few moments before she came back to herself. In a daze, she grabbed the key from the floor and rushed out of the room. She locked it behind her and returned to her chambers. In the daylight of the following morning, it all seemed like a dream. But when she examined the small key, she found a stain of blood upon it. She wiped it carefully, but the blood remained. She then washed it and scoured it with sand, but to no avail. That very evening, Bluebeard came back from his journey, saying that he had received word on the road that his business had already been settled. His wife tried her hardest to appear happy at his early return, but on the inside, she quailed. She waited with dread anticipation for him to ask for the return of his keys. He did so upon the next morning. He looked through the keys and saw that the littlest one was stained. How come this blood upon the key? I, I do not know, she faltered. But I do, mocked Bluebird. You have done as I have forbidden. Well, now you will go in once again and take your place amongst the ladies you were so curious to see. The bride threw herself at her husband's feet and begged him to forgive her disobedience, but Bluebeard had a heart of flinty stone. Prepare for, for your death, he declared. No, please, give me but a few minutes, she cried, so that I may pray. Bluebeard agreed, and the bride rushed to the top of the nearest tower, hoping against hope that someone, such as her father or mother, may be approaching for a visit so that she could give them a sign to make haste. Penance whipped silently in the sun, but nobody was coming. The bride wept bitterly. Given no choice, the bride descended. He led her towards the tiny, horrible room. Near its entrance, he bade her kneel on the rough flagstone. She obeyed, weeping, and without ceremony, he chopped off her head and put her body in amongst the other wives. So, that is the tale 
of Bluebeard's Bride. For our one shot, our tale will be a little bit different as we will be actively exploring these rooms and making decisions and coming upon the horrors which will haunt this mansion and deciding whether or not Bluebeard is a monster. Uh, that's so weird. In my notes, no, no joke, it's gone Bluebeard is a monster of evil, and then for some reason it's just repeated evil several times. I've definitely not done that. That is so creepy. Sorry. Never mind. <laughs> we'll move on from that. So within each room, the bride will aim to propose a truth about what has happened, to whom, and why it has happened. Proposing a truth will allow you to collect a token of faithfulness or disloyalty, furthering the evidence that you have against your husband. Get against or for your husband. Doesn't have to be against. When we've collected enough evidence, then it's time for the final room, which was the one that Bluebeard forbade you to enter. We will then decide if the bride would open the forbidden door, merely peek through the keyhole, try to run for her very life, or if it's already too late for her. So, with all that sort of out of the way, let's start with some character creation. So when we start creating our sisters, we start with some questions and we've already divvied up the playbooks and we're going to go around in certain order as we get ready for the wedding. So we're going to start with individual questions first. So each, each sister will be asked to describe one physical aspect of the bride uh, before we go on to some common questions. So we will start with the animus, which is Hazel. Animus, I would like you... Um, I need to make sure I've got my own notes for this. Uh, I want you to ask, answer this following question. What are the bride's hands like? And what weakness do you give away when others hold them? So the bride's hands are... They're not, they're not rough, like she, she works in a sort of manual labour job, but she's obviously practical with them. Uh, she obviously knits, there, does some sewing, there are sort of grazes occasionally on her hands in various um, states of being healed. So she does things, she's active with her hands. Uh, what weakness do you give away when others hold your, uh, when others hold your hand? That's mine is in the animus's hand rather than the bride's. So you're answering yeah. on behalf of the bride, so yes. So I think when uh, when others hold her hand, it's very clear the sort of softness that she has, the sort of desire to be with people and near people and share silly and intimate moments um little jokes and little um uh little bits of fun that she has with others so holding her hand will bring out a sort of soft and silly and fun side interesting so the difference of the texture so the hard the hands are a little bit rough perhaps but actually they give away that then there's something beneath yeah yeah thank you very very good uh We'll then go for uh, the Fatale, uh, that is Miriam. Miriam, uh, your question is, what does the bride's mouth look like and how do others keep her quiet? Yeah, so the bride's mouth is, her lips are full, plump, and naturally with the sort of blush of a rose red, and her teeth are white, with a very kind of adorable, disarming gap in the front of her teeth. Mm -hmm. And her tongue is sharp and witty and seductive. Uh, 
uh, and others uh, keep her quiet by putting her in her place and reminding her of her station, that she is off the working class. Thank you. Thank you for that. Uh, Mother, so Vivian, your question is, what is the bride's figure like? What do others wish was different about it? You know, people people tell her, when people talk to her about it, they tend to just sort of try to avoid the word fat. But, you know, it's sort of one that inevitably comes up and is accurate. And, you know, everyone's always, everyone's always like, oh, well, you know, you'll just sort of get the work on you, do some stuff, you'll, it'll be, it'll be better. But, you know, she's having a pretty good time. She's, you know, it keeps you warm in the winter and it makes it more comfortable to sit down. So she's pretty happy with that, no matter what they say. And so, but, you know, it does its job. It's a body. So she's comfortable in her own skin. <laughs> Perfect, thank you. Uh, Virgin, David, I need you to answer the following question. What do the bride's eyes look like? How do others know you want some, want them when you gaze into your, when they gaze into your eyes? Um, she has bright, piercing blue eyes, kind of sky blue rather than a deep blue. Um, they are very vivid in their colour and they, they they catch the light. When they catch the light, it's almost as if they sparkle. Um, the innocence looking as well. When you when, when people gaze into them and see the eyes, they see the, the innocence behind them. Um, and they also kind of catch a twinkle in that that it's not all innocent behind that eye, that there is a little bit of naughtiness that she does maybe want to to no longer be the virgin and that she's willing to to take that in whatever way she can mm -hmm. i guess do people underestimate from the look of the eyes and then they yeah. look and go ah yeah. there's, there's there's some intent behind it yeah. Brill, thank it's, you. it's it's the disney princess look <laughs> but then when you get behind that and look slightly deeper it's like oh hang on a minute <laughs> She's not all what she seems. Thank you. Thank you for that. And then finally, the witch, Amy. Um, I would like you to answer the following question. What is the bride's hair like? And how do others like you to wear it? Um, her hair is long, probably mid-back or lower. Uh, uh, slightly wavy, but tameable, not out of control by any means. Um, probably a mid-brownish. Uh, her mother likes her to wear it down, and so does her father, because it reminds them of when she was a little girl, and it's more... But she prefers to wear it up, because she thinks that's more fitting of her new status, and more adult. Brilliant, thank you. All right, and now you've all in answered wonderfully for your individual questions. We're now going to ask some common questions. So you'll all answer these questions. But what we'll do, we'll go back along the route. So Amy, you'll be the first one. And then we'll go David, Vivian, Mariam, and Hazel. And then Hazel, as we were there. And I'll, I'll say that. So 
Amy, the first question I'd like you to answer is, uh, what are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's bride? Um, she's leaving behind some of her passions. Um, as Hazel said, she liked to sew and knit, uh, but the lady of a castle does not do such things. Uh, she has servants to do those things for her. So she's leaving behind her passions of crafting and she's having to put them aside to become more than what she was before. She will have other pastimes to entertain her. Absolutely. Thank you. Uh, Virgin, the same question. What are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's bride? The safety of a known existence. So I, my, my life or her life has been, it's been well structured. She's been living with her family, had a very clear role in that. And now she's leaving all that behind to go to a new life with somebody she doesn't really know that well um, and complete a complete change in every aspect of that comfort that she had before maybe thank you uh, then uh, mother Vivian same question what are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's bride Happy. You know, she's great. She's always been there for me. Very friendly. Uh, very good at finding truffles. You know, she's a little pig. And she's great, you know. She's sort of always been there. Um, and it's just a shame too. But, you know, she's got to stay with the family. The truffles have an extra source of income. And you earn it. It all adds up. And although they made a great team, they're separated now and that's just how it goes sometimes thank you uh fatal and miriam same question uh why are you leaving what are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become bluebeard's bride so i want to sort of use um vivian's uh prompt just a little bit if to play off on that uh from poppy found this very sweet and luscious strawberry bush out in the fields that uh, has these very delicate white flowers that eventually grow into these sweet, delicious strawberries that no matter how, how much uh, um, the bride tried to kind of transplant and grow it in her backyard, just wouldn't, it was never the same. So she can't even, she can take a transplant, but it's not gonna be the same as the one in the fields. And it was just for her. She was the she was the only one who ever kind of saw it and ate from it. It was her own little indulgence. Thank you. And finally, Animus, same question. What are you leaving behind from your provincial life to become Bluebeard's bride? I think finally on this, she's leaving behind some of the power and the standing that she had as someone who it's a bit of a troublemaker, but is respected. And to a certain extent, when she left to become proper lady, she at the same time is expected to be slightly submissive um, and submit to uh, Bluebeard. And I think to an extent, 
this some loss of that power, that standing. Absolutely, thank you. Great, so the next question, and again, we'll start with uh, Hazel for this one. Uh, when you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? There was a point where he said that she could have her own room, and that was very exciting to her because she imagined this life where she could make a space hers, she could craft, she could be on her own and figure out what her new life was going to be like um, in this new space. And it for, for that moment, she imagined Bluebeard giving her that um, independence, that being a person on her own. Amazing, thank you. Uh, Fatal, same question. When you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? I think it was as part of the courtship, invited uh, the bride to a picnic, uh, which had all these lovely uh, hand foods like chocolate covered strawberries and you know all all the very romantic things, and. Um, at first, the bride was scared about being improper by just eating it, but Bluebeard took the first step and just got messy. There's like juice all over his face, and he even fed the bride a little bit. And I think that's when she realized, oh, maybe we can laugh together and have a sensuous life together. This will be good. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Virgin. Oh, sorry. No, mother. Sorry. Uh, mothers, uh, same question. Uh, when you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? You know, um, as I said, sort of big, big ball, all fancy. Lots of people don't know all sorts. And there was just, yeah, a sort of kindness to his voice, not just to us, but um, to everyone there, uh, the servants, everyone who's going there and... You know, you hear such huge rumours, obviously, but it was just a moment of like, no, there is, there is a kindness there, and that it did seem important. Thank you. And uh, Virgin, it is now your turn. Uh, uh, when you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? Um, the offer of never having to do the washing up again. <laughs> um, and, the, and the fact that she gets to eat off real metal plates sil silver and gold plates rather than some of the wooden stuff she's been used to before which is really hard to get the, the, the stock potato mashed potato out of the, the, the grains and things so, um, she's very glad that she'll never have to chip out dried on mashed potato off wooden plates again a curse we've all had to do. <laughs> uh, and <Modern> finally, <laughs> exactly. Uh, which it is your turn. Um, when you first met, what loving gesture did Bluebeard make that won you over? Um, I think this is similarly during the courtship phase. She had a argument, perhaps with her mother or her father, and she was very upset and frustrated. She just wandered off and he found her and he actually listened to her and listened to her tell her side of the story and why she was so upset. 
And that was the first time she actually felt like someone had listened to her about these things because usually her mother and father always took their side, each other's side, like her siblings didn't want to get involved. Um, so someone was actually listening to her and you know, taking her side and that meant a lot. Yeah, thank you. All right, uh, third question. And again, we'll go back around so uh, which you are to start. Um, what present did you give Bluebird before the wedding and why did you choose this? Um, I gave him one of my hair ribbons from when I was very young. So, as I already said, her mother liked her to wear her hair long, because uh, that's how she'd always worn it as a child. Uh, so she thought by giving him one of the hair ribbons she used to use to tie her hair long, uh, she would be giving up that childhood life and being able to press forward into a more adult life with him, you know, moving forwards. This is my past, hit you on my future, sort of thing. Brilliant, thank you. Uh, and Virgin, same question. So what gift did you present to Bluebeard before the wedding and why did you choose this? I'm trying not to go down the route of my podcast episode here. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> Uh, so uh, I gave him a comb. Um, it didn't. It doesn't seem like much to him, but it was a comb that I was given by my grandmother um, that I used to brush my hair, um, and it was quite a precious object to me. And I see it as kind of one of the 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 more precious objects that I own, and therefore passing it off to him. I see it as I trust him, and. Um, I, I, I respect him and kind of um, and open to that way. Brilliant. Thank you. Uh, Mother, what gift did you uh, present to Bluebeard before the wedding and why did you choose this? Well, I made my best strawberry pie, obviously. It's the best thing I know how to make, you know, it feels like mine as only I know how to get the best strawberries, after all. And then, you know, to my grandmother's recipe, my secret strawberries. It seems very personal and impossible to recreate. Thank you. Uh, Fatal, what gift did you present to Bluebeard before the wedding and why did you choose this? So the bride, I just realized in my head what it sounds like. <laughs> um, the bride showed Bluebeard her bushes, but what I meant was her, <laughs> her berry bushes. I understand. <laughs> um, but specifically, all the bushes aside from the strawberry, and specifically a blueberry bush that produced the most vibrant shade of blue, perhaps to... Um, naturally dye his hair should he so choose and from then onwards um has started staining her lips made from that uh, dye and now her lips look almost purplish a blend of red and blue very good thank you and finally animus uh what gift <coughs> did you present to bluebird for the wedding and why did you choose this Presented him a hand harp, harp that you, you can hold and play with your hands because Bluebeard had always 
enjoyed, loved making music, had always really enjoyed it, but had never allowed himself to sort of flourish, nourish that habit. And so she hoped that by giving him an outlet to play music, play beautiful music, then that would make him happy. Brilliant. Thank you. All right. The final question, and again, we'll go back around. So Annalise, you are the one to start. Do you trust your generous husband, Bluebird, or do you hold unkind suspicions? And why is that? Why do you hold either one? And to an extent, I, I trust him, that I don't think that he would do anything to make me unsafe, that he would put me in danger. But there's another level of that trust where I'm not sure whether he's very competent. I'm not sure that he... I think that he might do things not out of malice, but out of ignorance. And to that extent, maybe I don't trust him completely. Good to know, good to know. Uh, and then for Tao, do you trust your generous husband, Bluebeard, or do you hold unkind suspicions? And why is that? I think because I have not yet showed him my strawberry bush, maybe not. And I realized how that just sounded. <laughs> I have a thing about bushes, apparently. Okay. Um, however, um, I think uh, there's just this small little seed of doubt that is there because occasionally when I've passed by and he didn't know I was there, um, the way he talked to the staff concerned me. Um, he he's a perfectionist, but it almost the the look of fear, like he was going to do something horrible to them, mm -hmm. gave me pause. Mm, very good, interesting. Yes, because I, I can't remember who said it, but there was like a ball and act of kindness and stuff. But then when no one's looking, interesting. Thank you. Uh, then it is the mother. Uh, do you trust your generous husband, Bluebeard, or do you hold unkind suspicions? And why is that? All men have secrets. That's what my mother always told me about getting married. And as she said, one learns to live with them. And he seems kind, so... Yeah, I trust him. Thank Just you. Just as someone should. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, Virgin. Uh, do you trust your generous husband, Bluebird, or is that, or do you hold unkind suspicions? Why is that? Uh, I trust him absolutely. Um, I have never had anyone treat me this nicely before, and anybody who treats me this nicely has obviously got no bad uh, feelings towards me. They are genuinely just a very nice person, and they are fully trustworthy. Fully trustworthy. Good to know. I think we just lost Amy. No, I think Amy's back. Oh, no. Sorry, I, d I did get lost and then I came back. Ah, just the way of the world. Blue pride. For just for just <laughs> in time, which just in time. Do you trust your generous husband, Bluebeard, or do you hold unkind suspicions? And why is that? Uh, I am someone who is recognised 
that in getting married, I must leave behind some of the independence I had within the village. And I, but I am not pleased about it. And I do not trust that my husband would allow me any independence whatsoever. So I don't necessarily think he's a bad person at this point, mm -hmm. but I do not trust that he would necessarily treat me well or allow me freedoms that I know I had before. Interesting. Because he did offer you your own room and stuff as an act, as a way of independence, but you are seeing through that sort of, you're thinking that's, that's just a, a gesture that doesn't mean yeah. anything. Yeah. Interesting. Good to know. Good to know. Brilliant. So we've done the question bit. Well done. Thank you for filling out those uh, questionnaires. Uh, we're now going to move on to <laughs> sisterly bonds. So this, uh, we're going to establish relationships with our fellow sisters and they with you. On your character sheet under the sort of title sisterly bonds is a statement about how a sister feels about the other sisters in general, followed by two fill in the blank statements where you will choose a sister for each of them. Uh, we'll go round again, starting with the animists this time. Uh, no, actually, we'll start with the witch. Sorry, because we started with the answer. So, yeah, got you there. But we'll go around. So first you'll fill out the general statement and then we'll, you go around that and then back with the one statement and then back again. So uh, your general statement, uh, witch, can you read that aloud for us? Is your sisters are not nearly as important as power, but... Uh, so I've got blank is a useful tool. Um... I would say Fatal uh, is a useful tool for me. Mm -hmm. uh, they allow me more freedom than the others do. The others are perhaps more cautious and more hesitant to go forward with anything that could be considered a rebellion, but Fatal is more willing to press forward and try that. Uh, instead of being held back by the mores of society, as it were, mm -hmm. uh, and is more willing to uh, seek to become more than what we are, uh, than what we are currently. Brilliant, thank you. So if you write down uh, Fatal somewhere, say that's their first, that, that's yeah, their first yeah. statement. Brilliant. And then we'll go, uh, where's my thing gone? We'll go then to the Virgin. Can you read out your statement? And the first villain blank. Cool. Uh, you trust your sisters for the most part, but, and based off what has just been said, uh, I'm going to choose the witch here. Mm -hmm. The witch blackens your innocence with her every word. Ooh. So the virgin, I, she's innocent. She has not seen the ways of the world she she loves this man purely because he is nice and she doesn't see anything wrong with it so all these these extrovert kind of know that there's another life this is not what it's really like it's like no doesn't trust doesn't trust those words doesn't like them but also finds them kind of intriguing mm -hmm. kind of doesn't doesn't there's a line that she she wants to cross but doesn't know whether she should so yeah, your 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 words are blackening her innocent. Interesting, 
really good. Thank you. Uh, Mother, could you read out your statement and the first fill in blank? Keen our best and try to guide your wayward sisters, but blank irritates you with their obstinance. Explain a time they undermined your authority. Um, I'm going to say the animus. Hmm. And I think animus is like spirit, moral, beastness. Mm-hmm. I think this is, um, yeah, I think they're just, just a bit too willing to just sort of throw oneself into things. You know, as, you know, a lot of sisters sometimes are. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, there's just been moments in the past when trying to deal with, you know, the animals in which they can get a bit too into sort of animality, if at all. Mm. And, um... Go too far and try and bring her <laughs> everyone along with me. I guess the, the other the other sisters have certain rules or something that they can be, they can bend the rules sort of thing, but Animus sort of just breaks out almost sort of against you know, you might all agree to do something and animus does something else is that what you're sort of thinking yeah yeah and you know sometimes you have to be a stalwart shepherd rather than just going off on a handle brilliant thank you uh fatal uh, could you read out your statement for me please uh yeah so your sisters are who they are boring and predictable But I think the mother has no idea of a woman's true power. Explain why you wish to teach her. I think the mother is too focused on being the shepherd and controlling us that um, she doesn't see the true power in maybe in bending those rules and perhaps getting... You know the whole you can you can uh, attract more with honey than vinegar mm. or strawberries in this case. <laughs> <laughs> who who knew a bush would do it? Uh, <laughs> uh, animus, <laughs> what is your, what is your statement? And uh, feel free to to monologue on it. I hold myself apart from my sisters but there is someone who soothes you. Explain a time that they calmed your rage. And I think this is a great one for the Virgin. Um, I imagine a time where um, the animus got angry. Um, Or maybe not angry, maybe frustrated at her husband. He had done something he had he had made a decision about the way they were the way he was talking to the servants the way he handled the staff in his house Mm -hmm. Uh, maybe he thought that they served dinner incorrectly or they they were clumsy and I was um, made myself into a rage because I thought that you know I was right. Um, But the Virgin was able to sort of soothe me and sort of convince me that 
he has an intelligence and knowledge, especially about this world, about the sort of more upper class, more sort of aristocratic way that I don't know as much about, and that he means well and that he is good to good to us. Very good, thank you. And then we'll go back the same way. So, uh, Animus, again, could you read out the second statement that you've oh. filled out? Yeah, yeah sorry, tense. Okay, you are envious of someone. Explain why you never compare to them. Oh, interesting. Um, I'll, I'll say why I'm like, I've got a few people, but I'll say what I'm thinking of because I think that. Animus definitely has this sort of power and feeling stubborn and feeling like she's right. And there are other people who get the sort of things that she wants, mm-hmm. but in different ways, mm-hmm. that they are maybe a bit more wily, a bit more um, mischievous and figure it out, um, manage to get their own way without having to dig their heels in and convince everyone they're right. Mm-hmm. Maybe that's a fatal thing, mm-hmm. do you reckon? Yeah. Um, or, yeah. Um, and so I can imagine Animus being envious of Fatal mm. um, and feeling like she will never quite be that intelligent, have that kind of wit and charm mm-hmm. that Fatal has. Mm. Yeah, being able to get what you want but just by subtle means and you're like but I want it now and they've managed to do it before yeah I just convinced them that it was their idea all along <laughs> exactly and how do you do that without just yeah. going it was my idea yeah exactly <laughs> but credit me credit me absolutely <laughs> thank you Adamus. well then we'll go to the fatale what's your second statement uh yeah so my second statement is you try to draw in um the virgin with your seductive aura. Explain how you hide your insecurities from her. And I think I am picking the virgin because I see how her naivety, her her innocence, just, you know, like, like the cutest kid on the block, everybody just wants to go help them. Mm-hmm. Um, a similar thing of like, I, I have to do so much work for anyone to look my way and it's it is a bit of that insecurity perhaps of just like um ultimately i will be called a whore whereas everyone will always help the the pure one mm-hmm. definitely thank you uh mother can you read out your second statement for me please oh um i know best you know best and try to guide you with sisters but you trust the wit to have your back by the time they supported you in a time of need mm. and I am now the witch obviously has a lot of their own thoughts and feelings and opinions but ultimately similar position of knows what to do um, I think a time they supported me in a time of need is um Yeah, I think it's, this is, uh... Sorry, take a moment. Um, I think there was a moment where 
I used the first night mm-hmm. in the thing, and it was, you know, getting everything in place and feeling very lost mm-hmm. and used to being sort of knowing where everything that was, like, going on in in the village, you know? You knew, knew everyone, you know, where everything was, and you knew where all the places were and out, and were very new. And I'm used to being very much in charge, whereas the witch is very much used to... Um, finding one's feet in somewhere new and unexpected, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. is something I'm less good at. And the witch uh, supported me mm-hmm. in that sort of finding the feet stage. Sort of a gentle sort of, like, you you what you like control, you like having structure, but improvising and change is scary, but the witch is able to deal with the, the worst of it, I guess, and mm-hmm. support you in that. Very good, very good. Uh, Virgin, can you say what your second statement is? I've got a couple of choices for this one, mm-hmm. um, but I think I'm going to go with Fatal. Often helps you play tricks on the others. Um, <laughs> I, was, I was thinking about mother and having kind of like a mother-daughter secret code thing going on, but I think Fatal, with the way that the animus, Hazel just had that animus connection there i think yeah the fatal you've got that little streak in you where you like to do things and you you, you're using that to maybe pervert the the innocence within me and i'm I'm starting to enjoy enjoy these little tricks (laughs) um it says explain a time when she was your ally in mischief i think it's probably again it's the it's Maybe, maybe the first days you you are running around and and you're seeing this new we're seeing this new house that we're in. It's big and it's huge, and um, the I'm going to we start to play little tricks on the, the servants in the house, um, like moving. I start like to move water the, bucket on on top of a door. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, no, no. I, uh, you suggest water bucket, but I see you doing this. And I'm like, oh, but what about flour? And stick a flour. We we, we stick a bucket of flour somewhere, and uh, and then you yeah. go out and you stick a bucket of water and flour, and it all just kind of descends oh. into. <laughs> We're making some Yorkshire mess. buds. <laughs> <laughs> Chocolate, and then we go around with strawberries and start. <laughs> it can look really bad with the chocolate melted, though, I will say. <laughs> so, yeah. Excellent. Oh, brilliant. I love that. Thank you. And finally, the witch was your final statement. Uh, my final one is someone draws an evil to her. I think I'm going to do a reciprocal one with the mother, mm-hmm. I think. Uh, so she is so often in charge, or at least trying to be, that she doesn't notice when people are not necessarily looking out for her best interests Mm -hmm. or anything. So she's so focused on the current objective and control that she's blind to other things, uh, and that can make her easy prey. So I try and be that little... I guess, devil in her ear, like, hey, why don't we do this instead? So, and I try and be her eyes and ears outside of it because I know she's super focused. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be like there 
like at her back, just be like, all of you stay in shape and I'll watch her. Mm -hmm. I like that. Thank you. All right, so that is all the sisterly bonds, I believe. So thank you so much for that. And then we've got two final little bits of admin, and then we'll take our break. So uh, we next thing we'll go to is stats. So I think that's at the top right-hand corner of your sheets. Uh, the stats you have are qualities that describe the nature of the bride and the sisters. And there are three stats in Bluebeard's Bride. We have blood, which is your connection to the horrific. How closely are you tied with the darkest sides of human nature? There is carnality, which is your expression of the horrific. Do you weaponize your sexuality or give in to base instincts such as violence? And then finally, there is re resilience. Resilience is the resistance you have to the horrific. How much horror can you stand before you break? Uh, these stats are numerically uh, measured, and the baseline for these stats is at zero. And typically, you, you, I think all of you have at least one stat that is filled with a plus one which is good. Uh, and so you now have to fill the other two with either a zero or one, one of each, essentially. Uh, we'll go back the other way. So which, what, which one have you got a plus in and which uh, one are you going to so put I the got, minus and zero in? I got a plus one in blood. Mm -hmm. uh, um, could you just repeat what that one is? Absolutely. So, uh, so your blood is... Yeah, so the blood is your connection to the horrific. So how okay, closely cool. are you tied with the darkest side of human nature? Sure. Okay. Yeah. So I've got a, I've got a plus one in that. Mm -hmm. uh, I neutral in resilience. Uh -huh. uh, so you know I'm not. So am I still here? Yeah, you're is still here. We can still hear you. Keep going. Great. Give it a minute. Yeah, no worries. We'll tell you, we'll come back to you, uh, which, whilst you get that sorted, so there's no worries on that part. Uh, sorry, next one is Virgin. So can you say which plus you got and which one of the ones you got in? Yeah, I, I have a plus one in resilience. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to take the minus one in uh, blood because mm -hmm. I don't think she's going to be very good at dealing with the horror. Um, mm -hmm. And take a zero in carnality. So I think there's that that thing within her that she does want to to break that bond and lose that thing, um, other part of herself. So just doing technology at the time as I'm talking. There we go. It's okay. That's all right. Um, which? Sorry, could you you finish yeah, up? Yeah. Sorry. Yeah, my it's internet okay. broke again. Uh, I even put my neutral in resilience because I feel like she's not obviously she's not the best, but she's she's not going to give up when things sour mm -hmm. but, and then take my, my negative in carnality because I do think she let her emotions get the better of her mm -hmm. from time to time uh, and even though she tries to keep it cool then um, she's got that lust for power that means that she isn't always controlled about what she wants brilliant Thank you. Uh, we'll go to the mother. So which plus have you got and what are you putting the other two into? So I have a plus one in carnality. <laughs> Good at violence, obviously. Um, and then I'm going to take minus one in blood mm. and zero in resilience. As You know, I'm pretty resilient. I'd say I'm resilient. Yeah, definitely. Thank you. Uh, Fatal. Can you say what you've got and which one you're putting the others into? Uh, yeah, so I've got a plus one in blood. Um, 
which means that I'm probably very good at caressing my way out of horrors. <laughs> um, and uh, I uh, put my zero in resilience uh, because I feel like I'm just a little more resilient than I am in getting my hands bloody uh, with carnality. So my carnality is a minus one. Brilliant. Thank you very much. And last, but by no least, uh, Animus, can you tell us what you've got for your stats? I have a plus one in blood. Yeah. Um, no, that's a lie. I got very excited and then I oh. said the wrong thing. I have a plus one in carnality. But like magic, let's go with having a zero in blood and a minus one in resilience. Brilliant. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Does things, but sometimes the things happen to her and she loses her cool. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you're a very cool animus, do not worry. Oh. Great, so the final bit we've got is face moves. And um, we'll talk about more moves when we actually play, but obviously each sister has access to three options which we call face moves, and they will pick one for this particular session. These moves are specific to that sister, and it's only something that they can do and none of the other sisters can do. Uh, the face move allows them to do something special, but it also gives hints as to how that particular sister may react to certain situations. But that said, and I'll say this to all the sisters now, you do not have to reveal which face you choose right now. It's just more giving you the option to take one and to ask me questions about them, should you wish to. And, you, and if you ask me questions about one, that's fine. You don't have to take that one as a result. The only thing I would say is that when it comes to revealing a face move, if you're doing it, you could either tell me as the groundskeeper what you're doing, like I am doing this move, or you can couch it in more poetic terms uh, that I might have to clarify, but you can do it either way. The most important thing is that you should ensure you are following the instructions of that particular move. Um, so yeah, I'll give you a few, a few seconds to, to just pick one. And once you picked one, you could either like just thumbs up or if you want to talk about it, feel free. But I'm not going to press, pressure anyone to do it. Brilliant. Brilliant. Oh, thumbs up, everyone. Hooray. Well, that is the end of the character creation. Thank you so much. I know it takes a little bit of time to set up stuff, but it is quite important so that we get a good idea of who our bride is as they explore the mansion. Uh, if David's okay with it, we're going to take a quick break of yep. 10 minutes so that people can uh, you know, get refreshed, sort of let those psyches settle in themselves and... I go make a mansion <laughs> in 10 minutes. <laughs> uh, but thank you much, and we'll be back within 10 minutes. Hello and welcome and thank you for rejoining us. As you might have seen, we've just finished our sister creation for Bluebeard's Bride. And I'll just say again at the top of this thing, uh, it is a mature uh, horror RPG. So there may be themes or content in this, which is uncomfortable. And we would say like, obviously we've got our own lines of veils that we've gone over off camera. But at any point, if you yourselves or what do you feel uncomfortable, do be kind to yourself and take a moment, step away from the stream, come back if you want to. That's totally fine with us, but just, hey, look after yourselves. With all that in mind, <laughs> we're now going into the game itself. Um, although I always do this, I go, we're going in, but first, admin. So, <laughs> um, Bluebeard's Bride is a game like no other, in a sense. It's, a lot of it is just talking. 
And with uh, the way we sort of move the story forward, we use something called moves. And I'm sure if you've played any Powered by the Apocalypse game, this will be very uh, familiar to you. But we have certain moves to move the story along. And some moves are available to everyone, which are the maiden moves. And then some moves are only available to certain people at certain times. So we've already gone over uh, face moves. So obviously, there is a particular moves that, or a particular set of moves that only each sister has access to, which they've currently kept secret for the stream, which is great. Uh, maiden moves, as I just sort of mentioned, they are moves that any of the sisters can take at any point. They could just say it and take the conversation. Think of them as sort of uh, minor moves in a way, like a, a bit like a rules of an elegant dance. You know, you take your moment of poise and then you sweep in to do the next thing. Uh, these moves uh, include caring for someone, investigating a mysterious object and taking stock. And obviously, as these come up, we can go into them in a little bit more detail. There are, there are more restricted moves, however. They have, uh, we have the ring moves. Now, one of our sisters here will have Bluebeard's, uh, Bluebeard's ring, essentially, and that indicates that they are currently in charge of the bride. They are directing her motions. Uh, you were taking uh, a main action, so to speak. Um, with these, you have sort of five five different moves for this. You have shiver from fear, caress a horror, dirty yourself with violence, cry out for help, or give up the ring. Uh, and basically, once you have, once you do one of these ring moves, you then have to give up the ring to someone else who has not had it yet or not had it in some time. And again, we can talk about that as and when that happens. But all you need to know is that when someone has the ring, they can make, they have access to these sets of moves. And then finally, uh, a more specific one is exit moves. So obviously we are exploring, exploring rooms in Bluebeard's house. And the only way to leave a room is by two means. Uh, and I will say the only person that can do these moves is someone who is wearing the ring um, and then pass it. So the two moves are you escape without taking a token. And then I have to do something which gives you a hard bargain or an ugly choice. Or you propose a truth about the room and you have to say what happened in the room why this token is an indication of the evidence, either for or against Bluebird, and whether or not he is a monster or not. And that that's kind of it, in a way. Some of these moves, uh, certainly the, uh, the ring moves require dice rolling, but again, we'll get to that as it comes. And as I've said to these folks, um, there is times where there might be minor peril. So sometimes the sisters might take something called trauma. Each one of them has a track of five sort of trauma tokens. If, for whatever reason, the trauma is uh, is filled up, well, we'll get to that, I guess. We'll get to that. <laughs> but yes, so um, we're going to start essentially at the at the point where Bluebeard has left. And I wrote down who has the ring because one of you gave a superior wedding gift uh, that outmatched all the others. Uh, it was the witch. You gave uh, a hair ribbon, which indicated you giving up a previous sort of innocent life for a new start. So you you have control of the ring just now. So that means you have the main action. Don't worry, it's not that scary. <laughs> it's only scary if you make it scary. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you are, you are all currently, and the other thing I will say just before we properly get into it, feel free to talk, even though the witch is currently in charge. Talk amongst yourselves, do, do say stuff. I know it's a bit awkward when we're all online, but the whole point of this is that the way you move the story forward is by talking and having disagreements and stuff and having a dog in the background as well. <laughs> that's, don't worry, that's yeah. totally fine. So, which... <laughs> perfect timing, I know. So, which, you have... 
you have uh, the ring on you currently and you have these big bunch of keys. And looking around, you are in this huge sort of entrance hall and there are doors. You've only seen a few of them and you've only been in technically one room, your room, that Bluebeard sort of left you in after the wedding night. And you had breakfast and stuff and you're all sort of ready to go. You're alone in the entrance room. Um, what I will say is what will happen. I'm, I'm happy for you folks to sort of start role-playing as and when, but eventually, uh, which I will ask you to look at a key on the key ring and describe it to me, and then we'll go from there. But what do, how do you all feel about being in this great entrance hall, but alone without your husband? Shall we check out our domain, sisters? I think we should. I think it's good great to be in this house and have the freedom to explore it's so big it's shiny i've never seen so much shiny all the shiny right. okay please just stay there i've got shiny, this shiny, shiny. well you know it's our house with the lady of the house now and have rich tony Makes sense that we understand the layout and the history of the place. That means we're going to the pantry first. Pantry. You know, see what we have in stock for food. Perhaps uh, give the menu to the staff, all the ladylike things. Yes, we can do that later. We should know where the rest of the house is first. I'm sure the servants can deal with food. We don't need to bother ourselves with that anymore. I know, but seeing what materials we have available to us. Mm -hmm. But it's shiny. Look at the light. The light is all shiny. It's made of silver. Yeah, I know. It's, 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 It's great, yeah. Ooh, look at those keys, Virgin. They're so Whoa. shiny. There's so many you know pretty what? different colored ones. Yeah, you can have a look later. Those are. They're, um. No. Not yet. No. Mm. Yeah, I know. Mm. Go cry about it to Mother. Mother? She's being mean to me. Well. You know, one we will one we will each take have our turn. And now which you know that it's the virgin is, you know, still still a bit young, still but not quite understanding of everything. There's no need to be so gauche. But you know, do you have the ring? And it's we've been told we have freedom to explore everywhere apart from that. One. So, lead the way, I say. Unless you okay. want to check that closet. I mean, if he didn't want us to go into it, why would he tell us not to do it? But why would he tell us it exists? Exactly. It is part of the house and... The house is ours. We are the lady of the house. So the closet is ours as well. We have every right to check it out. You know, we, must, uh, we must behave. 
we, 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 we have been invited into this house. It, it is our house, but it is also his house, remember. We are his, his bride. He's our husband. We should, we should be well, good. Well, we have plenty of time to go back in the closet, I suppose, but perhaps we can just see where else we can go. Yeah. Come we'll on, let's do it. Circle back to the closet. Okay. Uh, uh, I guess I will to explore. Look at the we can look at that one later. Mm. Or not at all. You know, as we've been asked by a husband, and it's fr- frankly rude to, you know, explicitly go out and out. We have more freedom than we've had before. You know, it's wrong to push against that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. I'm say we've got more freedom now. More space, but not more freedom. Mm-hmm. There's a difference. So which? You look okay. down and a key catches your eye. Can you describe mm-hmm. the key for me? Um, I guess amongst some of the others, it's a rather plain-looking key. It is... Um, and it's got like a quite loop around the hand, loop through hole, mm-hmm. fairly chunky, um, just, you know, these teeth, <laughs> not teeth. Um, but I guess it, it catches my eye because there are all sorts of fantastical keys on this keychain, and the one we've been told not to use is very small and very delicate, mm. but this one is outstanding in its normalcy. Mm. Like, what could this do? Like, these keys must lead to fantastical places, but why is there such a normal one here? So where did this one go? What's, what's behind? Why, if this house is so incredible as it is supposed to seem, what's he trying to hide behind the normal door? Very good. No Thank one you. would look behind the normal door first. <laughs> <laughs> Except for you. Okay. <laughs> so, um, you take some time to look and a door you think matches it. This door is impossibly thin. It's like a black, thin door and it has a huge curvy handle made of brass. Um, you have a hard time, you take a little moment, but you have a hard time finding the small, almost imperceptibly small keyhole but you do you um you put the key in the lock the lock turns the door opens and the room beckons you enter the door closes behind you this is a sewing room and it is lit with weird shaped oil lamps and the air itself is warm and almost humid because of this it smells of old fabrics and stuffiness, the confinement of it all, as well as a light scent of very sweet perfume. The light of these oil lamps give the place a sense of old, forgotten habits. Uh, And it is filled, this whole room is filled with thick rolls, roughly cut pieces and half-stitched fabrics put together. On the wall across from you are scissors of all shapes and sizes in a display which instantly draws your attention. However, in the corner, there is a dark brown mannequin wearing a tight, dark brown corset. 
Opposite, you see a treadle sewing machine with a piece of cloth stuck onto its mecha uh, mechanism. It's, fading gild it's faded gilding catching in the light of the oil lamps. What would you like to do? Um, I want to go look at the corset. We didn't make this. All right, so you go and look at the corset. So uh, you now have, oh, anyone can, but I'll say it for your benefit, which you've got maiden moves. Yeah. Uh, and on this is a help, these maiden moves help you investigate each individual mm -hmm. room. So you've got obviously care for someone, which is caress, uh, which is sort of caring for uh, either a servant or a horror, which probably isn't a typical here, but maybe investigating a mysterious object. Yeah, so when, when you when you investigate a mysterious object from the room, you can ask two of the following questions, which are listed. Um, so, so I would assume that you're doing that, but please tell me otherwise. Yes, yes, that was what I was intending. Yes. Perfect. Okay. Um, so, perfect. So you go you go across to the mannequin. Um, what questions would you like to ask? Um, I want to ask whose item is this, okay. and uh, I guess. Um, why did Bluebeard keep it? Okay. So why, uh, so, sorry, uh, so whose item is this? As you get closer and closer to this mannequin, you're actually surprised how much detail is on it. There's very, like, intricate patterns sewn into the seams of it and how tight the corset is. As you get closer, you notice there is a face on the mannequin itself, and its eyes are currently shut, completely bald, and no arms or legs, but a face. Why did Bluebeard keep this? As you get closer, you notice the way the room is, the, the sort of confinement of it all. There is a sense of well, familiarity. You are your crafting person yourself. You feel there is something almost within the passion of this. There is something beautiful about the fabrics and the, the bits and pieces that have been left around, even the stuff on the sewing machine. It's beautiful and intricate, almost like art. What would you like to do? Any of you? I want to stroke it. The mannequin? No, the corset. Oh, the corset. Okay. The pretty, the pretty corset. Yes, it's very, it's a dark brown, but it's, and it's simple, but it is so well made, so beautiful, and the patterns almost invisible to the eye. I'm ignoring the face completely. It's just like, ooh, the pretty. <laughs> you reach out, and just as you're about to touch the corset, the eyes open on the mannequin, and it starts to scream in a very rough voice sort of a horrible gargle sort of thing as it tries to talk and you notice its mouth has been sewn shut. It wasn't me. I didn't do anything. There's scissors on the wall. Can we, can we unsew the, can we unsew yeah. her mouth? Mm -hmm. Cut her, yeah. Cool. So easily enough you you grab some scissors. Um, what kind of scissors? Uh, feel free to describe. Um, we'll go for the witch because you're controlling. So okay. Uh, um, I would go for um, quite 
instances, you, you know, those ones with like, like you have the two things and then there's the hook on the, on the, um, like not big sewing scissors, but like thread scissors, embroidery scissors. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so I could get right in and like, mm. Threads without damaging the cloth around it. Yeah, as you get up close and start to, like, again, the way it's moving, the head and its eyes wide in fear, it, you can see, and you're very careful at it, but as you sort of start to snip away, it starts to speak and it sort of goes, I can't breathe. I can't breathe. We should. Loosen the corset then. Snap it off altogether. Yeah. Yeah, mm -hmm. I'm going to, uh, I guess, loosen the corset. So you go well, to, to loosen the corset and your hands trembling slightly as this <gasps> gasping comes through. And because of the confinement, of this room, the uh, the the way that the the rolls of fabric are, it is so loud and yes, almost a deadening. Like if you think of um, like a vocal booth, just the way that it just is in, like almost perfect sounding, but obviously of somebody who can't breathe. And um, you loosen it, and it falls off the mannequin, and you just hear, "Thank you." And then it says. I'm so sorry. And the corset starts to crawl, almost sort of bone after sort of uh, ribbon towards you. It starts to go onto your legs. What do you do? Um, Stop it. Sister. I have scissors. It's true, I am still holding scissors. Mm -hmm. uh, and I'm still stood by the wall of scissors, I guess. I'll try and, uh, I guess, grab a bigger pair of scissors. <laughs> It's quite far away. The way the wall is okay. from where you yeah. are, so you, you do. Right. You can easily try to. Um, so, because you've got the ring, you can do several mm -hmm. moves as well. You can sort of uh, uh, you just dirty yourself with violence. So yes, that's an option that's you can do. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So to do that. Um, you roll uh, plus carnality, so whatever your roll mm -hmm. is in carnality, and uh, let me know what number you get. Yeah. Again, as this creature starts making your way up over your legs onto your thighs, starting to wrap Ooh. its finger around you. Yeah, it didn't work. Uh, I got three, so... Three, like... unfortunately. You're unable. You're, you're trying to jab at it with the scissors, but it's not working. You're, you're struggling it's a bit. Boning in the way. Yeah, there's... Oh, the boning. And it starts to constrict, and you can feel it as well. Uh, take one trauma. Yeah. Um, and uh, pass the ring on to someone. Okay. Uh, I guess I will hand it to... Uh, Animus. Okay, Animus, you now have access to the rings move. So again, you can see it's starting to constrict and it's not got all the way around you, but it's starting to almost magically the sort of the ribbons start to fold in and start to constrict. What would you like to do? Um if I caress a horror, mm -hmm. um does that allow me to try and um, what do you call it? Be, be, be sort of one with it. Convince it to... 
Caressa Horror. I'm looking at the wrong thing. Uh, yes, yeah, so Caressa Horror, you roll plus blood. On a hit, the horror is swayed by your stroke and direct what was intended for you to another victim of the house. Uh, but on a seven to nine, uh, it will shift its attention, but only if you participate in some way. So, yeah, you're more than welcome to do that. Great. Eight. <laughs> Eight. Okay, so mitigating hit. Um, so how do you caress it? What What is it that you do to sort of stop it from its doing its final act and concealing you within this corset? I'm going to try and do small things that I know that sort of take, take care of it in a way, the sort of things you might do to make something neat, make something cared for, bits of the cloth that have become creased, trying to smooth down bits of the ribbons that have become um, misaligned, try and uh, turn them the right way round just to sort of make it as it was meant to be. Mm. Okay, so you're trying to, whilst you're not, so you're sort of not resisting it per se, but you're trying to make it so it's, trying to put it in its place per se. Mm-hmm. Okay. So as you're sort of doing this, you're doing almost gentle hand motions, just sort of like gently sort of caressing it and pushing it, but maybe pushing it down so it's not on top. And it realises what you're doing, and it sort of takes a moment. And then it's sort of the only noise you can hear, apart from your own sort of quick breathing and the, 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 the sound of your heartbeat in your ears, is the gasping from the mannequin. Just like, <sighs> And almost, almost hearing its prey, it starts to unlatch from you and sort of to latch to the top of the head where this mannequin was. And it sort of loosely wraps around it and you can, you can hear it's muffled and sort of almost like <clears throat> screaming, but the ribbons reach out to you, willing it to participate in the final act. I will pull the ribbons. Okay. You sort of do it almost desperately, your hands sort of shaking, just pull. And a tightness, knowing that this creature can't fight back, whatever it is. So screaming and wailing and stuff. And the head's weirdly moving from side to side until slowly, but surely it stops and the screams stop. And you let go. And the corset is so tight. You can see where the back of this mannequin's head is. The, the almost buckle is so tight, it's sort of protruding over the top, tight around it. And, and you give up the ring, you use the ring move, so you can give it to somebody else. I, in, in my <laughs> act of doing something horrifying, I will give it to the Virgin to try and... <laughs> Repent for my ways. How do you other sisters feel about what has just happened? I would like to sniff the perfume, please, to distract myself from what has happened. <laughs> Absolutely. You sort of, you, again, you're sort of shaking the way it is. And the as you breathe in, it's almost flowery sort of um, musk. And you realise it's coming from the mannequin itself. Oh. Oh, dear. Well, that is sometimes what happens when one peeks one's nose in, isn't it? You know, we knew there was something a bit off about this place. And 
<clears throat> We're the lady of the house, after all. How do we know this isn't just some... some of the trick? You know, it's a mannequin. How real could it have really been? Mannequins don't talk. Mannequins exactly. Faces. Okay. Exactly. And I... I go and hug the mannequin even though I'm denying mm. that it was real well, as you touch the mannequin and hold it you realise it's not made out of um, hard plastic or hard woven things but feels almost like leather and it's almost like a, again the beautiful seams the way they've made up as if sewn up various is, protrusions is it still Alive? Is it still making noises or is it? It's not making any noises. It feels cold to touch, like cold leather. What poor soul must have been residing within that mannequin? Ghastly relics is her husband keeping in this house. This can't be our husband. Our husband, he's an, he's nice. He wouldn't do something like this. This must be somebody else. He must have a, a wicked servant somewhere. A wicked servant who has keys to the sewing room. Why Why would our husband sew? He, he wouldn't have a need to sew. He would have servants to do it for him. No servant is sewing with material as fine as this. Grant, it may not have been our husband, but it was no servant. I don't think he made this, so maybe he bought it. But why would he buy such a thing? Which goes back to the original question. What ghastly relics does her husband keep in this house? Well, perhaps it was just an unfortunate accident that one happened. You know, we encountered something cursed, didn't want to pass it on to someone else, and that, that the room was locked, after all. Yeah, you know, he It was locked. Didn't want. We, we probably weren't... He may have got the rooms wrong. Maybe we, this was the room that we shouldn't have come in. And But we're also... What, what, how, how does a, a corset move? I've, I've never seen a corset move unless it's been attached to a pig. We went to the forest one, one day. Right? We, we put it on, yeah, we put it on the truck. smashing in that. It was not one of their best ideas. <laughs> <laughs> little tutu. <laughs> we found she lots of that day. <laughs> that, that thing almost killed us. We yes, could have... Better that it is against the mannequin, which is for all intents and purposes not alive in any case. Mm. It sounded very alive to all of you. The way it gasped, the way which you went to help, felt very real. Perhaps we're just feeling lightheaded because it's been so long since breakfast. It's all new. It's a new experience. We we we're in a we're in a different place. We're not used to this this such grand opulence so maybe we're kind of seeing things because we're expecting we're, we're, we're on edge obviously, obviously 
mannequins and corsets don't live. It's, it's all just in our imagination. We're all just a bit excited from the wedding and all the, the, the wine that we had last night. That's, that's all it well, is. No, nothing, nothing, well, nothing happened here. I think I think someone has been in this room though because look and I point to that little piece of cloth that's stuck to the sewing machine it's like looks like someone maybe so maybe made this corset yes maybe this is all just something that happened yesterday look at the cloth sisters I'm not going near the cloth can I investigate it? Absolutely, please do. Um, what questions would you like to ask as the maiden? Um, okay, so uh, I'd like to ask whose item is this and what memories does this item hold? Okay, so you make your way over to this, uh, this tradle sewing machine and at a quick glance, it looks perfectly functional, well-oiled and ready to be used. The gilding on the top of this thing uh, is this sort of just, oh, it's on the top of the thing. So they've got the cloth underneath and then on it, on the actual machine itself, you, there's the shape of flowers and the initials A dot R. And what memories does it hold? The, um, it holds, you sort of get a sense again with the perfume and the way the room is lit. There is almost like, the joy of creating something. You know it yourself, you've created many things, you love crafting. And to see such a beautiful, well-oiled machine right here, no one's using it, it seems such a shame. And as sort of maybe you put out your hands to do it, it starts to furiously sew the rest of the cloth, almost jaggedly. And in your head, you hear, it must be done. It must be done. I must finish. And then suddenly the cloth runs out, pitters to a stop, and you're left alone in this room. I don't like this. Can we can we leave this room? This this is this is not the joy joy joyful memories I have of sewing with mother from my youth. This this is this is not nice sewing. Can we can we leave this room now, please? You have a nicer sewing machine than any we ever had. Yes, yes, but it's it's it's. We we don't need to sew at the moment. We we can come back to that later. Let's let's so, continue exploring the house. So Perhaps with some holy water and a priest. <laughs> <laughs> so Virgin, you actually have control of the ring. So you have a choice: do you escape the room without? proposing a truth or do you take do you propose truth of what happened in the room and take a token of either loyalty or, uh, or faithfulness or disloyalty if i will say if you escape which is more than welcome to um i will give you a hard bargain or an ugly truth and if you pay the price you'll be able to escape the room Um, I'm gonna, I'm, I think I'm, we're gonna escape. I think the Virgin is very freaked out by this. Um, so I think she's gonna, she's gonna try and escape, get us to escape okay. the room. And cool. I'll take that hard bargain. Uh, All right. Um, okay. So as you go to leave, 
your sleeve of your your sort of um, your dress gets stuck on something, and you look back and it's caught on the sewing machine, and it starts to furiously speed up again. And your hand starts to go towards it. What I was saying is that um, you can destroy the sewing machine, but you will take some trauma for it. Um, and then you'll be able to leave the room. But you're currently stuck with this machine going closer and closer towards your hand. Now, but, but it is way, you'll, you'll take more trauma uh, if you let it hurt you. Uh, if you pull away from it. Yeah. No, I've, you get the idea. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've, got a, I've got a move here, um, mm -hmm. a, a face move, mm -hmm. that kind of might to some extent here mm -hmm. so I want a rules question and kind of of course uh, so uh, the face that I have chosen is called the moth and uh -huh. so when I investigate a mysterious object by placing myself in immediate danger uh -huh. yes the groundskeeper asks me a question of a list yes. and my answer is truth I can mark a trauma to earn a second question Absolutely. So can I, can I, is this a, can I interject this whole, I'm about to have my hand sewn yep. apart with this? Absolutely. Cool. I want to do that. So you're getting, so yeah, you're getting closer and seeing this object. And again, those initials of A and R and the flowers. And again, that heavy sense of the perfume and everything like that. Um, I get to ask you a question off the list. Do, 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 do. I'm guessing it's the same list as... Yes, it is the same list. That's what I was just wondering. Um, interesting. Um, why did Bluebeard keep this item? He likes to keep a keepsake from each of his wives. And this is the keepsake from one of his previous wives. He likes to have something of a memory, a physical object that is a memory, other than obviously what we else know about him, or don't. But yeah, he keeps a physical object, and this is that object for mm -hmm. one of the wives. Mm -hmm. And I'll say with that as well, realizing this, a sudden, that sort of almost sudden like realization, you're strong enough to like <gasps> and pull it back, but not before it sort of nicks you. Yep. So you take one trauma. But your your sleeve is free now, tattered and torn from where the sewing had gone up, and you can see the thread of the sewing machine—a beautiful, uh, bright blood red, sort of almost zips down very close, almost nicking the sin. But you're fine, but shaken up as a result. So you take one trauma, but you are able to leave the room. An exit move doesn't count as a ring move, does it? I don't have to. Do I pass the ring? No, no. it does not. No. So, Virgin, or oh, anyone else, by the way, do feel free to interrupt. It's very hard when we're all obviously on Zoom, so feel free to talk about it. But I'll give you some moments to think about where you want to go next, Virgin. Perhaps a change of clothes. Yeah, we, we um, seem to have... Quick, quick context question. Are we aware he's had previous wives, just not what's happened to them? 
you would have heard that uh, Bluebeard had many wives, absolutely. Like, he's a great, well-known noble, and it was an honour that you have been chosen. But you, cool. obviously, obviously, we don't know what happened to any of the wives. No, so it would, it no, would make sure. It would make sense in the context of, like, ah, a keepsake of it. But yeah. Yes, yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not brand new information, I guess. Like, no, what? <laughs> what? I've never even been married before. Wife. What? <laughs> what? Yeah, yeah, cool. cool. Oh, I love you. <laughs> <laughs> but I thought I was the first. Yes. Yeah. I think a change of clothes is definitely in order. We have to perhaps no, bandage up the wound. Mm-hmm. I'm sure we can find some clothes and some something to bandage in, in maybe some of the other rooms that have all our clothes in them. Mm. Let's have a look. Do we have a... Does one of these keys look like a bedroom key? And I'll start flicking through it while mm. everyone else has a conversation. Cool. Maybe. No worries. How do you all feel about what happened in that room? Not only with the corset uh, attacking you and then you helping it fulfill its um or purpose i guess but also being attacked by a sewing machine as well did what we had to do to survive exactly do you know to try and try and figure out what caused that perhaps we could make some of our own sort then we would be protected more within this house if there are more such things to see. And it would be good to have people on our side or things on our side, as the case may be, that are capable of working independently. I've definitely got a sense that there's something not right about this, about the what was the soul of that mannequin? Did it? Did it have a soul? And what harm have I done to it? What harm has Bluebeard done to it? Is Are there other things like it in this house? Or is it just something more innocent, like some of the other sisters suggest? I think you would have felt it most of all, Animus, because it was your action to pull tight the corset. It felt so real in that moment. But then when you left it, it seemed to be a mannequin. Virgin, mm-hmm. mm. would you like to describe the key that you wish to use? I've gone through them all, and I keep I keep coming up to the that the, the small dainty one because it's the pretty and the shiniest one in in the in the. I know I'm not I'm not going I'm not going to choose this one, uh, but it's the one that always catches my eyes. So. Mm-hmm. With that, I choose the key, one of the keys next to it. They pale in comparison to the, the shiny small key, mm-hmm. but they're still quite innate. Um, it's long, it's thin. The the part where it connects to the ring, it has almost like a Celtic knot pattern that is holding it to the the, the ring itself, um, and the the actual key part is again, it's very delicate. It's just almost as if it's just the outline of the key shape rather than fully complete within the middle of it. Um, and it's a nice, it's a, it's a, it's a deep brass color. So it's kind of shiny. 
but it's mm -hmm. not quite as shiny as the shiny. Mm -hmm. All right. Okay. You look around and you see a door that matches what you think the key is. Uh, let me just find it. This door is um, a double double door, almost like a white oak frame, and there is glass interiors decorated with sinuous sort of links and patterns, very similar to the Celtic knock that you saw. And the handles itself are made out of glass, and when you touch it, it is almost like imperceptible, like so you're so gentle with it to open it. But you see the door, you put the key in the lock, you turn it, the door opens, and the room beckons. You enter, and the door closes behind you. You are standing in a tea room. It is cramped on all sides by cabinets full of the most delicate china, pa uh, china painted with butterflies, kittens, foxes, and chicks. A very feminine blue floral damson wallpaper covers all the walls and the floor. The air here is close, suffocating, and you almost have trouble breathing. You fear that even the slightest movement on your part will cause a disaster, breaking all these invaluable china that surrounds you, uh, burying you beneath a thousand sharp pieces. As if this wasn't enough, a massive blue silk sofa with a back that curves almost like butterfly wings occupies the rest of the available space. And beside it, <coughs> excuse me, on beside it, a small wooden table with a teapot and a gleaming gold gilt lid and a golden teacup. What would you like to do? Ooh, ooh, a, a nice cup of tea will help us calm down. I, I think we should have a, a, a sit down, a bit of a cup of tea, collect ourselves before we... This is obviously not somewhere we can uh, fix our clothing, but we could, we could have a nice cup of tea. Um, it looks like the, the servants have left out a, a, a nice um, pot for us already, and, and it's such fine china. It'd be such a waste. So, so let's go, let's go have a cup of tea. Um, it might help us cool down as well. This room's quite it's hot. It's close. What say you, sisters? I agree. Hot tea to cool us down seems like a good idea. Be careful this time, you know, in case there might be something else. You know, it might be an idea to call some servant or something, you know, to... to the, you know, if there is some spirit, it's always good to have backup. Obviously, if, if something goes wrong, we, we, can, we, uh, we can cry out for help, obviously. Um, but let's... Uh... Obviously, be careful. Like it seems quite small and tight in here. Don't, don't. I think we should maybe not touch anything other than the, the cup of tea. And obviously, sit down. I'm going to have a sit down. Okay. So, um, are, are you? Um, so you're going to go towards the sofa, or are you going to go to the tea first? Uh, I'm going to sit on the sofa as close as I can to the table. I think have a sit yeah. down first before cool. pouring the tea. All right. Um, this blue sort of iridescent sofa looks so inviting. And I think after what you saw in the other room, you're like, oh, thank goodness. And it's sort of pleasing sort of shape instantly is very inviting. 
And as you sort of sit down, you take a moment to sort of breathe. And again, it's like, oh, can't really catch your breath, kind of. And you feel the back of the sofa sort of slowly sort of moulding itself to you. And the blue fabric sort of ripples, sort of caressing your skin. It starts to tighten and tighten and tighten. What would you like to do? Panic. <laughs> Uh, um, so would you say you shivered with fear? Virgin? I'm just having a look at that. So yes, just for those I, on the I stream? I shiver from fear as as mm -hmm. I'm being confined and I don't like being confined. We've mm. got this big house and this freedom now that suddenly being trapped again uh, reminds me of bad things of childhood memories and things. It's like, no, no, let me out. Okay, so just, just for the stream. Uh, when you shiver from fear, name the thing you are most afraid of will happen, and the groundskeeper will tell you how it is much worse. So thank you for that, uh, Virgin. Um, you, either, you can then have a choice whether you keep the ring and then choose two of the following options, or you pass the ring and choose one of them. So we'll come to that in a second. So you're feeling that suffocation and that, again, those memories, again, you can't have it again, you just had it in the other room. It's so much worse. It tightens. You hear your bones not crack, but definitely there's a moment of un being uncomfortable and you can't breathe. Almost a silk, almost like falling back into, it's like a, going back into a hedge or something like that. You start to go back and the silk forces its way past your shoulders, up your face, past your lips and down into your throat. And it takes on a warmth, almost like skin and the bit inside your mouth as it tries to push past your gag reflex, it feels alive and starts to pulse. So, Virgin, you have a choice. Do you take two uh, of the, so we've got three options. You, it infects the bride with its perversion. It has the bride in its clutches right now, or it speaks to you and take one trauma, but only you, sister. Um, so you have a choice to you take two and keep the ring, or you take one and pass the ring on to somebody else. I'm going to pass the ring. Okay. <laughs> um, I am. I am not feeling comfortable in this at oh. all. I have made a mistake. I should have listened to mother. Mm -hmm. So I will pass the ring to mother. Mm -hmm. um, but it has me in its clutches. Yeah, absolutely. You are almost sort of paralysed in a way. Just the way you can't. You're trying to break free, but it is strong and it is pushing and pushing and pushing. Oh, for God's sake, um, and I just sort of like tense and um, bite down hard and reach into my dress, pull out the scissors that I kept from the previous room mm -hmm. and just, just, just go at it. Stab. Okay, so you're dirtying yourself with violence. So when you do that, roll plus carnality on a hit, you, establish, you inflict trauma and then choose the following. So tell me what you get from rolling it. They've contested this, but I'm very bad at rolling dice. So hey. let's see how this goes. No judgment, no judgment. <laughs> I believe in you. <laughs> this is why I'm choosing results that don't involve rolling dice. Hey, I got an 11. Whoa, Whoa, amazing. Yes, so uh, you, yes, on a, on a hit, you you inflict trauma on this creature and choose one of the following. You disable it, silence it, or mutilate it. Which one would you like to do? 
Um, I'm going to disable it, you know? I'm not quite... Mm -hmm. now. I'm just being very surgically precise and be like, nope, if I slice it down the side, it'll sort of burst the tension on the silk mm. and I'll be fine. And I'm just like, I've had enough of this. This is far too much. Mm -hmm. And just sort of stand up and just sort of go back and look at mm. the, what I've been up to and mm. have disabled it. Yeah, absolutely. Useful. That's very useful. You you stab down a really hard, strong bit and instantly it retracts and falls down and you get up and you turn back and it is, well, you've just torn it asunder. This loose, this sort of stuffing comes out of the blue fabric. It's almost like, like just almost like, I don't want to use the word vomiting out, but sort of like it's protruding out of it almost like over and over and over, like one of those smoke fireworks. And it just stops and everything sort of sags around it. But you are in control of the ring. Sisters, how do you feel? Why is every piece of furniture in this house trying to kill us? <laughs> Did we do something wrong? Why would he not tell us that everything was so dangerous? You may go wherever you wish, except that one room. And by the way, my whole house wants to kill you. Wouldn't have gone amiss. Exactly. And this room in the closet, this small closet, he didn't say, no, he said not go in, to not go in that one rather than all of these other rooms. You know, we've only picked two keys at random and randomly, the first two have been dangerous. Does that mean they're all dangerous, or does that mean we're unlucky? May, may, maybe the room that he doesn't want us to go into is the safe room. He doesn't actually want to keep us safe. You, maybe he's uh, lying to us. Are you all right, Virgin? No. This is definitely very much unlike you. <laughs> I am very Perhaps not all right. Really... I've just been eaten by a couch. This is not how things should go. This is never, not the life that I dream never. of. Perhaps we should have that cup of tea now. I am not touching anything else in this house. <laughs> Can I investigate the teapot? Yes, until the to next make sure it is safe for along. us. Absolutely, you can. Um, which two questions do you want to ask about the teapot? Um, I'm going to go with what about this item is odd or uncanny? And uh, why did Bluebeard keep this item? Okay, so what about this item is odd and uncanny? Um, it's just strange that like, you see all these cabinets, all these like uh, glass cabinets were filled with all, all manner of like teacups, little tiny spoons, the, a sugar bowl, all the stuff you'd need for a perfect sort of cream tea party. And yet none of them match this particular teapot and golden teacup. Um, they clearly come as a set. There's just for one. And as all good ladies know, tea is a social activity. Why would you have tea alone? And why did Bluebeard keep this? Again, looking at the teapot itself, it is rather beautiful. This sort of gleaming gilt lid on the top. And as you sort of lean in, you can almost smell the the Assam tea 
loosely fastened tea sort of rising up, feeling it, and again adding to that closeness and stuff. Maybe Bluebeard is just a big fan of tea. And it is, it is a rather beautiful teapot. I feel like sisters, we should not get seduced. I know it is me saying this. We should not be seduced by this aroma and perhaps we should really take stock of our surroundings as well. I agree. Yes. Such anything. So, um, as, as you sort of said that, Miriam, um, yeah. do you want to take stock or does somebody else want to Sure, unless somebody wants to, I can I can take stock. So, um, just just again for clarity for the stream, so one of the, the final maiden move is taking stock, and this can only happen if you are you feel vulnerable as as the as the bride and as the player, I guess, in the scenario. <laughs> just just checking sure. But you take stock when you take stock of a of a tense situation. You ask one of the following. So the questions are: What stalks the bride from the shadows? What traps have been laid for the bride? What does this place demand of the bride? What horror here is hidden from the bride? Um, so anyone can do that. Any other maiden moods can do it. It's just a, 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 the uh, Fatal has said it out loud. But anyone can do it if anyone wishes to. Uh, I will, if no one else wants to. Please. Which uh, which one of those questions would you like to ask? I would like to ask, what does this place demand of us? Hmm. Being in this room, it very it feels very prim, proper, the way a lady should be. It's all sort of rules of engagement and stuff and demands that you take hold of yourself, get back to that structure, be in your place. Otherwise, well, can you handle hot tea? That doesn't sound ominous at all. <laughs> There's a literal tea and also. <laughs> Just to clarify, the mother still has a ring, correct? Or correct. Was... Yes. So the the virgin passed it over. Yeah. Yes. I love you. I follow. Yeah. Um, so mother, like, so as you as you have the ring, you do have certain more moves now. But you are in charge of the bride's actions. What would you like to do? Um, I think I would love to. I, I will say as well that you also have access to the exit ones as well. When you got the ring, you have ring moves and you have exit moves. So you don't have to investigate the room anymore. You could choose to exit it as well. Fine. Um. I, I will, yeah, I'm just going to sort of, kind of, you know, I sort of in the, you know, I'm like, well, we're here. It seems the room wants us to do this to an extent, and, you know, it might be useful to do that. Um, you know, what's, you know, what, something's, something's going on here. There's something to, in this house that's sort of causing some sort of problems. You know, maybe there is some sort of spirit, maybe there is some sort of ghost, and all we need to do is just figure something out, you know? So, um, yeah, what, and then I want to sort of go back and look at the couch and be like, what is this bizarre thing that attempted to attack us? But also, it's fairly vulnerable to 
a nice pair of scissors. <laughs> Absolutely. So you, uh, you're going to invest in mysterious objects. That's totally fine. Uh, pick two of those questions from that list. So uh, whose item is this? What memories does it hold? What about this item is odd or uncanny? And why did Bluebird keep this item? So you can choose two of them. Um, I'm going to take the first two. Whose item and what memories? Right. The item itself, again, there's no label or anything like that. It's just beautiful. And the way it's sort of, again, the way it's sort of out like a butterfly wing, very grandioso. Whoever owned this item was clearly one of uh, status, one of sort of like elegance, much more so than maybe you consider yourself or your other sisters, perhaps. And definitely it is the focal point of this room. And looking around with all the other bits of china and stuff, it does feel like um, whoever owned this had prized possessions and everything had purpose to them, but maybe no one else could see it. And the second one, what memories does this hold? Well, looking at it, obviously it held several well, bad memories for you, but putting your hand gently on the stuffing and maybe the, the slits that you caused with the knife, uh, with the scissors, sorry. There's a moment of social. Maybe you you think of what you see, those sort of tea parties, those people talking and, and laughing. And it's that social and that joy. And maybe a bit more than that, using this couch is so big and luxurious. It's so inviting. It's just, just a nice place to sit. It's not a nice place to sit. As we've established that. Um, I mean, is there a... With the cabinets, mm -hmm. is there a sign of anything looking maybe more used? Uh, like, is there some cabinets that have been recent, more recently opened? Hmm. Maybe. Having having a quick look round from where you are, you can't see this. Like this, I said, it is crammed full of cabinets. Like, oh, like you look up and you can't even see the ceiling. It is like one of those large rooms of stuff, and you can't see. Like, it looks like it has been cleaned in here, but you can't see any well worn items of of china or anything like that. Not at this glance, no. Maybe yes. You know, the tea, the teapot seemed fine, you know? There was no great horror there. Mm -hmm. um, Who would have all this china and not use it? It'd be much better put to use than sitting in dusty cabinets. Yes, they're pretty in the dusty cabinets. We don't need to be touching anything. Well, it may be pretty, but it's not functional. Why does things all have to have a function? Can't it just sit there and, and be not touched? Imagine if you could have parties here. Meet other people. So cramped, then it would be odd to have a party. You'd constantly be knocking into the cabinets. Maybe we can make them a room. We can move them. Yes, put them somewhere else. Get rid of all these tea sets. No one needs this many. Not even 
women of our station now. Yes. Sometimes I, I wonder whether people of our station, our, our new station, this is what they like being cramped and shut in and kept. Well, presumably they have never had it before, so they get to choose when it happens to them. Mm. They've never seen how, what, how a pig lives. We, we, we can, they can come back to our village and we can show them. Show them. We will not take them back to the village. We will not sully ourselves by doing that. Yes, we live in this new world now, and we've given up the old one. That's that's that. We're not going back. How so is this any different than prison? <laughs> This is what I said before. I, I imagine in prison the sofa doesn't try to eat you. I don't think there is the sofa in prison, Virgin. Prison has one it's up on the It's just a very, screen. very large prison. Mother, to stop your sisters from quabble, quabbling, um, uh, what would you like to do in terms of the room itself? So you could leave um, and take a hard bargain. Or you can try and find a token of faithfulness or disloyalty and propose a truth about the room. So with proposing a truth, mm -hmm. is that like a, there is a thing that happened that you have written down and we have to basically guess what it is? Or no. is it more of a... Not at all. So you, obviously your sisters have given you different accounts of what they think has happened in the room, but you can speak what you think has happened and say, and this item that I found shows that this means Bluebeard is loyal to me or not. So it's you, as long as you say it, then you can leave the room without inflicting any more trauma or anything like that. And, but you, it doesn't matter what these other sisters think because you have the ring. And you, what you say goes, and how you interpret the room is how it goes. Ah, uh, I see. Um, it doesn't have to be a long or elaborated at all. You could just say, you could just pick up an item and say, well, this shows Bluebeard's loyalty because this, or faithfulness, sorry, because of this, or this shows he is a conniving husband because of this. It doesn't have to be too complex. Ah, sorry, I misunderstood that whole move. That's oh, okay. And so, uh, That's all right. Okay, so I am. Um, yeah, I um, I just sort of. I'm gonna take the golden teacup mm -hmm. and the tea and sort of sniff it. And I'm like, well, this there's clearly something going on, something unusual here. But what I know is that this is good tea, and you know, if we had good tea that one time before, and. You know, this, let's just head down to the kitchen and get some hot water and just have that and it'll be all be all be simple. You know, this is clearly a room where, um, you know, parties were had, people were here, people were having a wonderful time. And, you know, soon maybe we can invite some people around and have a party of ourselves and we can use one of these many TC sets and that'll be that. And tea without biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> That's an excellent point. Biscuits yesterday with the bread and f with with the flour and water. I don't think the uh, the servants liked that. Well, yes, that was that was a poor decision <laughs> on certain people's parts. <laughs> there are servants who are more inclined to us. 
who we have not done such things to. So, so we like we did anything. (laughs) (laughs) So, mother, um, so you're taking the token of the the golden teacup and the tea. That's perfectly fine. Um, I want to know so, because obviously you connected it to this sort of you're having tea party stuff, which is great. How does this show either disloyalty or faithfulness of Bluebird? Um, I think it is a token of faithfulness. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the sort of social thing, you know, if when, you know, if he was trying to just sort of trap people and stop them getting in there, it would be about isolating us. But this clearly shows, mm-hmm. all his memory clearly shows that we've been, um, you know, there's a lot of those visitors, they come, they visit, and that's, you know, as they should. And that's how that's how it's been done in the past, and that's how we should continue to do it. Yes, it he, definitely, he definitely seems like a sort of um, so generous person to have so many teeth. Like, wow, be able exactly. to put on the show. So, yeah, nothing untoward there. Perfect. All right, so that means there is one mark on the faithfulness track. Um, everyone heals one trauma mm-hmm. as a result of taking faithfulness. And as you pick up the teacup and the tea, the smell of Assam comes into your sort of nostrils, and you, and you feel... More relaxed as a result and you leave the room uh, and as you proposed a new uh, an exit uh, I think that's the one sorry let me double check uh, yeah that's right and yeah you can you can choose to pass on the ring to somebody else okay anyway well, I will is, it, is, is this the point where everyone has had it at some point? I haven't had it. Fatal hasn't had it yet. Fatal has not had it yet. So. Ah, well, that's who I was going to give it to anyway, so that makes okay. sense. That works. I'll well. pass it to Fatal because biscuits, obviously. Yes, obviously. <laughs> um, I think rather than going to the kitchen, I would probably try to go to a larder or pantry of some kind. Mm-hmm. Um... And I start looking, I mean, my nose, I think, is very good at finding it, um, but uh, I should I should probably look for the matching key in case it is uh, locked. And I search through the keys, and I try to look for something mm-hmm. that is an indicator of any way, because people seem to be very averse to, like, Num- like labeling these keys here. <laughs> um, so. Is the one that says pantry on yeah. it? <laughs> A big key. Yeah, yeah. Um, but actually, I find a ring that catches my eye, mm-hmm. um, and it seems to be shaped. Uh, it's it's made out of this sort of um, almost reddish um, color. Uh, like it's it's been painted with enamel or something, and uh, it's it's got uh, a picture of like a cornucopia of fruit, of berries, mm-hmm. and and um, they almost look like little jewels. Mm. And I was like, I bet you that's the key. Also, that's so pretty. <laughs> that's the one for me. Yes. Absolutely. Okay. Um, you take a moment to look around, and there is a door that matches that key. The door itself, as you get closer to it, smells sweet 
and as you start to put the key in the lock, you can feel it. It is slightly sticky to the touch. There's a white paint on the door, which is yellowed over time, and the ornate handle pushes open easily with years of use. But as always, you put the key in the lock, you turn it, the door opens and the room beckons. You enter and the doors shut behind you. This room is tiny. A single light shines down on you, casting shadows on the ugliest parts of your body. Directly in front of you is a row of beautifully decorated cakes and candies with berries and fruits all on top of them. There are almond cookies frosted like roses, cream-filled cakes stacked upon one another, delicate, petite, four-layered fours laced with sugar crystals and edible gems. Beneath the cakes is a shelf packed full, full of cloudy jars of preservatives, enough to feed an entire house should it needed. Nailed to the shelf are various bundles of dried herbs, some including bits of bone, and tied together with pieces of leather. And near your feet, you spy various crates uh, covered in soft linen, and to your left, there is a fit row of sort of faded cardboard boxes. Check what would you like that. to do? <laughs> yeah. uh, yes! Yes! <laughs> Did it. I think I would like to look for something that would dip nicely in this tea that we're carrying. Absolutely. So yeah, you see, all of you see these beautiful row of cakes and it is, to break character, it is like something out of a great British bake-off. It's amazing spread. It's like that proper, the yeah. proper like camera view over it. And it's like- Gingham table. Gingham table, the little bit of sugar yeah. that goes over the top. So exactly like the petit like fours and the almond yeah. cookies, those oh, yeah. definitely all and all the line, yeah. just a beeline. <laughs> Absolutely, and little little cakes on little tiny tiny plates, little like little frosting, beautiful, delicate. These aren't haunted, are they? I think they should be fine. I mean, oh. they look. Don't be too, you know, trusting. Everything things seem a bit off so far. I already have a cookie in my hand as we're wait, <laughs> <discussing>. wait. <laughs> Let's just just stop and wait and just sort of have a quick look. Mm -hmm. Look around. What, what would you like to investigate, Mother? Uh, I was gonna, thinking of taking stock of a tenth Okay, situation. brilliant. Absolutely. So that is... Sorry, I moved my things. Um... So, so, so or take stock of a tense situation, ask one of the following. So which question would you like to ask? What traps have been laid for the bride? Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. We're just... <laughs> just jump right in there. Wow. All right. So this shelf is laden. Food upon food upon food. Like, as far as you can see, it is beautiful. Your eyes are sort of almost eating already this beautifulness, the smell, just, of, you know, freshly baked cakes. But underneath, you'll feel your stomach sort of, uh, just the amount of sugar and the amount of cream. You know, like, just one bite, is, it's an indulgence, isn't it? But, oof, I, you couldn't. Something about how many cakes are there, you don't know where to start. It's enticing, but 
Can you control yourself? Do you have a problem here? <laughs> the trap is diabetes. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Again, where's the problem? No problem. <laughs> They've got insulin in like the 1700s, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Animus? Is there anything you want to ask? I appreciate you've not had much to say pre- recently. Hmm. I'm just sort of thinking. Um, it's a it's a strange place, and I see where Mother's coming from. Thinking that this might be a trap and thinking that everything might be a trap and that the first two places were definitely traps. You would think that this third one. But I would still go with tipping an almond cookie into the tea and then eating it. Mm-hmm. All right. Is that what you do for Tal? Yeah. Yes. Not, not I already answer. had the cookie in my hand, I, and I I don't want to assume. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! It's, well, it's already gone. Like, well, yeah. Well, well, we're already, uh, you know, we're having this conversation at the speed of thought. That cookie's already been dipped in and in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. You, you maybe you spread, uh, you, you move a little bit of the cakes to put the the tea down. You know, because otherwise you're just holding all these bits and pieces. There's and nothing wrong down. with that. No one's looking. <laughs> no one's looking. But it's, it's just awkward. It's more... <laughs> so you put it down. Balance yeah. a cup here. <laughs> a cup and very hot tea. Look, uh, I want to ask a question. Of course. And this is particularly the mother, since it is her domain of our personality. How stacked are we? <laughs> I have many a time used it as a tea tray. Yeah, you know, that's... If you've got it, use it. Oh, you know? Rewind then. Yes, easily. <laughs> easily. <laughs> Put the teacup and the... Is this supposed to be a horror, guys? <laughs> Put the teacup and easily pour the tea. Easily enough. And now, the horror you know, you know is how coming. I felt when I was running things from the flood for you and you just oh, decided to turn it into a chip shop game. I... <laughs> hey, hey, I played to my strengths. Uh... <laughs> I just think that nothing is more terrifying than the thought of accidentally spilling Thank some you. hot tea down your cleavage. Um, because it what a waste the danger to that we must live with. <laughs> It's it's the hot loose leaf as it goes down. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> yep. And it's just it's out taking of it out of your stays later. Uh, <laughs> out, of, out of the corset. Right. Okay. So you do that easily enough without almost, almost if you had deaf practice at pouring tea from from this position up into the tea. <laughs> you holster the uh, the teapot. And you move the teacup to the other hand and you get the almond cookie. Oh, I didn't realise we took the teapot too. I thought we had just taken the teacup with the I, tea. Uh, I think, uh, well, I, well, regardless, you have tea in a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> for various reasons, for story, we have a tea in a teacup. <laughs> and you get the almond cookie. And you start to dip. And as it dips, it's beautiful the way it sort of crumbles off. The little bit goes off down into almost a murky brown sea. And then you just take that bite. And when you sink your teeth into it, that burst of sugar and almonds hits your tongue. And you just feel mm, 
it's delicious and the smell of freshly baked cookies envelops your nostrils and as soon as you know it it's gone you must have more you reach out for a little tart throwing away the little tin foil or the little paper cup that it comes in and you, again you taste it that it, mm, bits of custard vanilla extract just going down oh, also gone and you start one at a time you can't control yourself in a way just one cookie one cake one tart one after another the hunger starts to consume you until your stomach begs you to stop and you feel your own corset start to tighten and the tiny button off the back flicks out flies out and the fat seems to be growing and sort of folding in on itself expanding spreading around your hips and it's getting very very uncomfortable what would you like to do i would like to loosen my clothes please <clears throat> you do you, you maybe chewing just mm -hmm. put the stuff down put the cup down you do it as you do <sighs> a little bit of breathing room for a little bit but then again continues the growth the hunger all consuming bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger i think i am going to voluntarily give up the ring as i am now busy on feeding myself and I think I'm going to pass it to uh, the witch. All right, easy enough. So now that because you, you've voluntarily given up the ring, you are immune from trauma because you've voluntarily made it up this one. So the witch, you are seeing this happen. You're feeling this happen. Your stomach getting bigger and bigger, and you're mm, but so hungry. It's like a void, but you're getting bigger. Mm, okay. Uh, I would like to um, I'm not sure how you would caress an all-consuming hunger, mm -hmm. but um, just describe, that's what I want to try and do. Describe what you're trying to do, I guess. Like, what, what is it that you're trying to do? We can fit the move to it. Can you see what I mean? Okay. Um, I mean, I guess I want to kind of acknowledge the hunger mm -hmm. and be like, okay, I get it. You know, we're here. You want to be eaten. Uh, but please chill. <laughs> Um, so yeah, I just kind of want to kind of acknowledge it and then just be like, kind of um, try to calm it. So like, as, mm. it's not a physical thing. If it were a physical thing, like it were an animal, I'd be trying to stroke it back and be right. like, okay, calm. Slow down. Yeah. Slow down. But I don't know how to physically manifest that. No, I think, I think that's fair. Caressing a horror makes sense. I guess you're, because you're trying to stop it. You're trying to like yeah. prevent yeah. it from from whatever it is it's doing. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So if you uh, roll uh, blood for me, yeah. tell me what you get. Roll mm, I got a nine. A nine. Okay. So 
you're there, you're sort of patting yourself down, like your stomach is queezing and then again, folding in on itself and you're feeling like in your, in your stomach and your intestines, it's like, oh, oh, and you're like, you're trying so hard and it is, it is, it is abating. How do I do this? Um, you hear off to one corner, there is a, like a moan and you look across and you see a figure slumped back in a chair of equal size to you now. Huge, her own corset loosened, huge sort of uh, woman, unable to move the, the sort of crumbs of her is there. And she's like, I can't, not another crumb, I can't, please. She's unable to move and you feel her stomach is, is almost like a growling noise that emits from both of you. And you realise that maybe the only way to stop your hunger is to finish someone else's hunger off. Well, I have no qualms in hurting another to save ourselves. <laughs> uh, I will take whatever we were eating and say, oh, but you must. I insist and basically try and force feed her. There's a moment where she struggles. And again, you see her her eyes are sort of wide. No, please, no. And you sort of, you maybe you just go and just push it against her, her big lips now, these big plump lips. And ah, goes in. A very small, delicate cake with a little bit of a gem frosting maybe even a strawberry on it. And as it sort of goes in, she... <coughs> and starts to choke. And slowly but surely, the air leaves her and she sort of turns a horrible shade of blue. And your own hunger, you take a moment... <coughs> and you look down at yourself and you're fine. There's no extra weight. There's no, the, the eating, the cravings stop almost as suddenly as they came. You're not, you're not, there's no excess. There's no nothing. You, you aren't growing anymore. You look back at this, this person, this, 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 this well, not even a person anymore. Just as all consuming hunger, just sat there with a blue face, eyes wide staring at you. Now, come on, it's just like when Poppy did this, just sort of quick, quick sort of push to something to stomach and I'll fly it right out and then this person will be fine and we'll be done with it. Just, you know, no time lag. Don't recall be Poppy being the shade of blue. I don't think there's much that can be done for her. Well, it, we, it's, we can only try. You know, I, if we are I, going to be so... It will just return to us. Yes, if, if... If it relinquishes her, it comes back to us. We must protect ourselves. We don't know these people, we owe them nothing. We are the mistress here now, we must... They would feel grateful, in fact, to sacrifice themselves for us, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. all this food 
did you not enjoy eating it until we were forced to? I mean, it was good. I was hungry. Yes, well, we are hungry no longer and we need not eat any further. Lest we end up like her. You have that bitter taste, the aftertaste of too much cream. That sort of horrible smell of it curdling. Mm. Although, now I do regret eating that much. Mm. Mm. I mean, you know, a dead body doesn't feel good in the pantry with all of these cakes. Well, then we'll remove her, put her somewhere else. How did, how did the rest of you feel about that? If we are continually throwing other people to the whims of this house, eventually we'll reach a time in which there'll be no one to throw it onto. Eventually, yes. This is the only person that we've done anything to. The other room, the sofa ate us, and the mannequin, that wasn't a person, that was just a mannequin. I'm not, I'm not certain that it was, I mean, you heard the way it screamed. You heard the way, it, it wasn't like a, a horn or, a, or an animal or anything like that. The scream was deeply human. How are we to know that it wasn't a person? It had no arms. People have arms. Not everyone has arms. Mannequins don't speak to begin with, let alone scream. The witch has a good point. It had a pole in it. (laughs) The witch as you are the one with the ring, what would you like to do to exit this room? Um, you could propose a truth. Uh, yes, I'm trying to. I will, but I'm trying to think of what I want my truth to be. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. You, well, you've heard your sisters. Um, use my mistress move, if that is okay. Go for it. Uh because I'm the one really in control, I will mark a trauma and take the ring back from you. Okay, go ahead. All right, so, Patel, please. I think I would like to propose a truth, and I will take one of those delicious tea cakes mm-hmm. that are there and say that um, in addition to the parties that were had like the memories of the parties and everything that the tea cakes were sort of the decadence of whatever Bluebeard's previous social life is and even though it is sweet in the end, it makes it leaves a bad taste in your mouth, and I will take it as a sign of disloyalty. All right. All right. One token for faithfulness and one token for disloyalty. Excellent. 
you are closer to proving the truth uh, that your unkind suspicions about the husband are true. Mark one more trauma. Yep. What's that? Everyone. Um, yep. Well, so we uh, the fatale. It's up to you. You can choose to share that with everyone, or just take it for yourself. Um, I think it's up to us. I feel like um, if we all heal the trauma, we should all be taking a trauma as well. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely taking a trauma. The Virgin is not enjoying this in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> no worries. I mean, she taking a trauma all. sounds legit because <laughs> the witch did just murder someone in cold blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, she is not liking you sisters anymore at all. <laughs> Brilliant. So you've you've both uh, all all of you have gone into three rooms so far. Um, you've got one token of faithfulness, which was the teacup and the teapot, and now one token of of disloyalty, which is um, it was one of the cakes, right? I'm not yeah, one of up. the tea cakes. For some reason, okay. I for some reason I didn't. I was like, it could, why did they take cakes? I was like, that's the only thing we've talked about. So <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I completely blanked on that bit. But kind yes, of matches absolutely. with the whole, you know, tea tea cake, mm. having a little affordable tea party. <laughs> <laughs> Next, we'll have to get a trolley to transport everything up. <laughs> And with that, uh, you are able to leave the room. As the doors shut behind you, you are left alone in the corridor. You have two tokens with you. As I said before, you've got a token of faithfulness, which is uh, the teacup and teapot. Again, I just assume you've got various pockets to put these things in now, uh, <laughs> rather than having, well, or you could put them up here. I do not mind. Um, and a token of disloyalty, which is a little piece of cake. Uh, but Vital, you are in charge of uh, the the uh, ring just now so feel free to uh, come up with the next room and other sisters is there anything you'd like to discuss about what's happened in the previous rooms can we can we just make a rule that we don't touch anything please every time we've touched something something has gone wrong how can we not touch anything in this house like we are meant to be living in this house and the fact that we have gone to three rooms now, and every single one of them has tried to cause us some harm just by doing seemingly normal things. It's horrific. Then, then yes. So, so why do we keep on doing this? Then it makes because no we sense. We cannot to... live in our we cannot live in our bedroom for the rest of our lives. The bedroom we is must... perfectly fine. Actually, At least it's not got dead is. bodies in it. We should probably you know, we get should a change more of clothes. than that. We cannot. I think we should check out the closet. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it does for Animus question. needs the closet under the stairs, Anima, uh, Fatal, not the wardrobe. Oh. Oh. No, I re- actually meant our our wardrobe in our bedroom. I think I think we since we slept in it and nothing tried to kill us, we should go to the bedroom where we can have a breather and maybe think How of How sure are we that nothing tried to kill us because our husband was there last night and they would not try to kill him because it is all under his command. And there's just this pause of like 
darn it, why <laughs> that <laughs> meme Stop of being Falcon, so logical <laughs> uh, of the of Falcon and Winter Soldier is like you're way off base, but gosh darn it, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, well, I guess the only way we'll know for sure is if we go back, and if something tries to kill us, we'll just leave. Is there a Makes sense. What are you looking for, Patel? Um, what, what's your I, key? I look, I look for a very familiar key. I think that's very kind of gilded and opulent, like our, like our bedroom, mm-hmm. and has maybe, like, um rubies on it and and very kind of decorative and gilded mm-hmm. okay. as i head to where i assume our bedroom was mm-hmm. yeah it's been some oh, been some time it's been a couple of hours and this huge place these sort of the corridors and doors leading off them it gets you get so easy to turn around um looking at the key like you said it's, it's got the gilded design and little Teeny tiny rubies just into the handle. Almost looks like uh, rosebuds in a way. And you look and you see ahead of you, there is a door which seems to match that sort of motif. You see sort of two dirty glass doors framed by sort of dark and ivy. And as you sort of go to it, you can hear the doors sort of creak. And you put the key in the lock, you turn the key. The doors open and the room beckons. You enter and the doors shut behind you. This room is very different to the other rooms that you've been in and instantly you realise it is not your bedroom. It is in fact an old greenhouse. The rays of the setting sun almost turn emerald in this moist air. The air is still in here, but you can hear the rustle of nature echoing off the faded greenhouse window panes. Your kitten heels click delicately across a cracked wooden deck as you make your way to the centre of the room. Small potted trees take up most of this deck, leaving you room to step down down a couple of stairs into soft, rich soil. Two long wooden tables hold hundreds of of small potted plants. The strong smell of rot fills your senses, forcing your nose to sort of crinkle. Just beyond the tables is a rusted tool shed. And opposite the shed is a delicate looking bench standing on a darker patch of dirt. This is not our bedroom. Hmm. Are there any rose bushes around? Uh, no rose bushes per se. There's lots of potted plants, and you can see okay. some of them are, are budding slightly. Okay. Was the final thing that you said in the description? Hmm? Uh, the fi- yeah. So the final thing was opposite the ch- shed is a delicate-looking bench standing on a darker patch of dirt. Are there any? Um, tools about any sort of gardening tools oh yes plenty is there like an axe uh not an axe but a shovel and a hoe and one of those um free forked things i don't know the technical term yeah so i 
would like to be a brute. And oh, okay. So I uh, would like to go take the um, take the hoe mm-hmm. and go up to this bench, which is obviously something meant for trouble. Given that we are not in our bedroom, given that everything that we've seen, and I would like to destroy the bench, and in doing so, I would like to investigate it, Absolutely. see what horrors lie. Absolutely, I love it. Can't trust sitting down. Bye. Can't trust it. No, it's not a sofa. I don't care. So. <laughs> Every piece don't, of just as long as you don't touch it. <laughs> Every piece of comfort or happiness we've been given in this house has wanted to destroy us. Anything that will make us happy. Um, Let's look for things that are not nice, the things things which are really bad, and we they'll they'll be safe. All the good things we you mean like the uh, freshly tilled grave beneath the bench. Um. So yeah. Grave? So my- you said grave. <laughs> So animus. So so you're so you're breaking this French and you're asking one more question. Sorry, what, what's your move again? So yeah. So I get to ask my investigate mysterious object questions. Yep. Uh, and I'm going to ask what memories does this item hold and what about this item is odd or uncanny. Okay. And then once you've answered, I get to ask a follow up question. Perfect. Okay. Uh, and yes, and then the rest of the sisters unfortunately can't ask anything else. But I think that'll be okay. So you go, and you again, that's the fear. Again, just seeing any sort of seated thing, you remember what happened back in the tea room. So you grab the, the hoe, and you go, and as you smash down on it, this very delicate, beautiful sort of wrought uh, uh, sort of metal bench, as you break down into it, uh, the first question was, and what do these memories hold? As you start to bash into it, you see a little plaque on it. And it says, well... No, sorry, it's not a plaque. I'll rephrase that. You see sort of carved on it. There is the initials A and L in a heart on it. And as you sort of kick down and kick down, it sort of breaks apart. And beneath you see the soil. And on the soil you can see two gloved hands sort of intertwined, just barely covered by the soil. Your second question, uh, what about this item is odd or uncanny? Well... It was clearly placed strategically over something. The way it's set in the room, like, why would you sit here? Like, you can't see anything. You're looking back up and stuff. It's clearly meant to hide something. Um, And then I think my follow-up question is going to be about the hands. Mm -hmm. And maybe something like, what what type of hands are these? Or do I know whose who's hands these are? Absolutely. Um, yeah, that, yeah, that works, yeah. that works, absolutely. So the way it's sort of, they are clasped, one hand you can see is gloved with a beautiful sort of dark satin and almost like a ring, very similar to your own, uh, the bride's own on it. And then on the, uh, the other side is a very sort of pale, deathly pale looking hands, smaller, both feminine, tied together, almost like in a near grip, like that. Sisters, this is, what are these hands? What does this mean? 
Well, were roommates. <laughs> oh my god, they were roommates. <laughs> <laughs> Had some lodges. Oh. You set that one up. <laughs> Solved. <laughs> next, next mystery. Um, it's clearly something haunting this house. Maybe it's. Maybe there's some spirits to be put to rest or something. Can we do something like that? Perhaps you could uh, try to help them. Mother, you are much better at that than the rest of us. Use yes. them, perhaps. Why are they buried so close to the surface? Is the one thing. Should they not be very deep, as is traditional? Why are they not buried in the cemetery on the grounds? Why are there That's buried bodies question. here in the first place? Why is there a dead person in our pantry? That's that. Well, that's that one was my fault, fault, but we'll deal with these dead bodies now. We didn't do these. These ones were not my fault. That's what you say, but can we be sure? Not left your presence, have I? Did you see me sneak off and kill two further people? Well, I know you have many skills. This is true, but not this cooperation yet. What would you like to do? Um, well, I was trying to guess that was care for them. Okay. So yeah. I wanted to uh, try and soothe the dead bodies as best I can. I'm assuming there's two because it's two different hands. But it, it looks like it. Yeah, yeah, two, two hands. So I would... Um, I or one of the others, because I don't think I'm particularly caring <laughs> what I'm trying to get at, uh, was um, take off one of the, glo the gloved hands, try and loosen the fingers a bit, and try and make it a more comfortable grip. So instead of clutching, they're just yeah. holding nicely and hope that soothes them somewhat okay all right so you start to sort of try and ease the grip a little bit going forward mm -hmm. to touch and after a little while you manage to pry them apart and the hands the fingers are stiff there and as you go to move one to the other they both grab your hand and slowly but surely the um they start to shift and the soil loosens itself and you see well, two people, essentially. Uh, one wrapped around the other, the other arm sort of there, as if almost like shielding the other from some terrible thing. Uh, one looks like a very young woman, quite like yourself. Her long black hair, loose all the way down her back, <coughs> excuse me, as a plait. The other dressed in more sort of servant uh, garb, uh, sort of an apron, uh, sort of smeared with soil and such. And the partner, they both look up to you, the, the, sort of, the servant, quiet, her hat, a, a servant's hat loose over her hair. And the woman, the long black hair, looks to you and goes, Oh, it's so good to have other people here. Oh, gosh, you're so beautiful. 
puts a hand to your cheek as well. Servant, nothing, still cradled in the arm of the other lady. Um, happened to you? We were bad. We, we just wanted to, well, he couldn't fulfill us. So we wish to be together. And the servant, again, slowly looks away, not saying anything, quiet. You must understand, it's, it's so hard. The structure, the, the, the status, the thing, it's so hard when... Who can you confide in but someone who knows the experience you've been a part of? Someone who knows me, knows anything. You must understand that. You're so beautiful. Again, goes up to your face to caress it. It's okay. We're we're here now. We're we're here. We can. We're in this situation as well. Don't worry. There there are people here who understand. Don't don't fear anymore. We are here to help. <sighs> Is there anything that we can do to help you? Yes. We we can listen. We can help. Oh, you're so beautiful. Your skin, your face. And she sort of, in, the, the lady sort of intertwines her fingers with yours. Just come, we can together, all three of us, we could be happy. And the servant goes to grab your other hand. Yes, yes, we can be happy. It will, we'll help you out of the hole. Come, come, come be free. We'll, we will, we'll take you away from this place. Quite clearly, I'm now trying to not get us pulled into this hole. <laughs> <laughs> um, come on, come on, come on. Can I, come on. can I, can I caress a horror since I still have the ring? Absolutely. So tell me, how do you caress this horror? I, I think I willingly kind of hold, like, let them embrace to basically kind of position myself to perhaps have them um uh like just let playing along to get what they're after and then maybe like position myself towards the door so i can bolt mm -hmm. sort of a thing yeah absolutely roll for me uh plus blood all right. That's a six. You try your best. This is why I say don't like... touch things. <laughs> <laughs> Turns out the things touch you. Um, hey. So you, you're trying your best. Again, the grip, they're fairly strong for, for women uh, of such slight build. They are quite strong. And you're like, aha, uh -huh, sure, sure. And they both sort of pull themselves up to uh, their full height. And the, sort of the, the lady sort of is like, oh, thank you. Oh, so good to have people who understand where we're from. And yes, absolutely. And the servant sort of leans into you and opens their mouth, almost as if to share a secret. And as she does so, her mouth opens, the jaw distends, and soil starts to pull out of her mouth. 
almost as a like a, a river, as it were. I'm going to pass the ring to the animus. You certainly can. <laughs> you certainly can. <laughs> All right, you're yes, I also completed Caressa Horror. You might so. want to wipe. <laughs> sorry, say that again, Miriam. Sorry, I missed that last bit. Oh, I was going to say, because I also used a ring move. Um, you like, did. As, yeah, so I'm passing it to the animus. It's not convenient. Absolutely. So animus, <laughs> suddenly you're in control and you have this soil. You have hands. You have this spilling down you, <laughs> uh, talking to you. And it is, it's just the sudden weight of it pushes you down and the servant starts to get on top of you and starts to kiss and lick your skin with the soil again coming over you almost sort of pushing you down with the weight. And you hear her partner giggle and laugh and say, it's all going to be fine. You understand where we're from. You understand. She'll pushed slowly down with this soil, down and down. I think I'm, I'm going to choose violence. Uh, that's not the right word Whoa. for the move. Um, yep, dirty yourself at home. <laughs> literally. We are literally dirtying yes. ourselves at the moment. Wow, it's all worked out. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. So, yeah, so what, what are you trying to do? I'm going to try disable them. I don't want to mutilate them because <laughs> I still care for them. Mm-hmm. And I'm rolling with blood, right? Uh, you're rolling with carnality. Excellent, excellent, because I rolled a six. Oh. Plus one, I get a seven. Oh, just do it. Amazing. Okay. So you, you so you can disable them, but you can all, but you also have to choose one from the following list as well, because it's a my, my gated hit. So you your vulner, your vulnerability opens you up to trauma, or your carelessness leaves you in a bad spot. Which one of those would you like to take? I think my carelessness is going to leave me in a bad spot. Fair. fair. I, I think there's a sense to which I'm so torn between this notion of caring for these two people and wanting to make sure they're okay, but mm-hmm. also knowing self-preservation is important and I need to get my, me and my sisters out safe. So I'm desperately trying to get them out. But mm-hmm. Definitely. So, yeah, so you you start to fight back. Your hand goes up to where the servant's uh, jaw is, sort of unlatched like a snake, uh, like the soil pouring and pouring and pouring, and you you sh- you push your hand up so it shuts the jaw, and you see her cheeks fill, and then slowly but surely you can see like <clears throat> again that sort of like thing, her eyes wide, and you can see saliva starting to pull outside of us as it starts to clag and to clot essentially, and you push her back, but then completely expose you know on the ground, vulnerable. So she manages to push her off, but you are completely on your back soil still around you the lady looks to you and it's like you don't understand i thought you were one of us one of the dirt one of the soil she straddles you yes you would never understand you never understand and starts to push her own sort of soil around and just sort of areas like, oh god must hide this. Can't do it. And starts pouring more soil on you. I'm so sorry. (sighs) 
Um, I'm going to... Also, you've technically uh, used the ring so you can pass that on to somebody else. Ah. Uh, hmm. uh, uh, is it the, the Virgin has not had it in, in a while? Not, not recently, no. So you can pass it to the Virgin. So yes, the Virgin, you're feeling this now, the weight, and this almost scrabbling panic, whereas before it was almost like a, a flood, I think, and now it is frantic as this person is panicking, realising that you are not of the same ilk as what they thought you were. Remembering the experience of, of being eaten by a sofa and, and the crying claustrophobia and almost like it's being buried and, and the skin yes. going down the throat and now it's soil going down there. I have a full-on panic attack. Okay. And I cry out for help. Good to know. Uh, so when you cry out for help... Uh, you roll resilience. On a hit, the house servant comes to address your concerns and calm your hysteria. On a seven and nine, they help you, but they first need proof of your loyalty to the bluebird. So the roll uh, plus resilience. Plus resilience. Mm. Yes. This is the first time I've rolled dice in a game for a very, very, very long time. <laughs> um, I try to play games which avoids doing this. But I get an 11, so... Oh, oh you nice. succeed. Okay. I'm going to save these dice for a future use. <laughs> <laughs> They're good dice. I like these two. So as you're sort of like... Again, this is how you're like, help! And you sort of like scream and the tears come. And suddenly it stops and you hear almost a struggle happening and you sort of manage to you know use your last of your strength to whip out the soil in your eyes and you see um a man who looks like um a gardener of some sort the flat cap over his face again just wrestling with this creature this this woman who's now panicking trying to hide you and he's like don't worry miss i've got this i've got this miss and so pull her back and then opens the shed door and slams her inside it you see across from you the servant with her mouth blocked now, full of the soil, sort of staring, like, watching her beloved be trapped in the shed, like, crying out for it. And the, the servant is like, get out of here, miss, you must you must leave. I will, I will tend to this. Because I've just done a, a ring move, I'm going to mm -hmm. pass the ring off. Yep. And I'll give it to Mother now, um, right. knowing that... Mother is good at keeping a, a, a level head in in situations where I really can't. So, absolutely. So, mother, you have now the ring, and again, you see this the 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 sort of gardener looking back and forth, um, an older man, almost sort of stick thing and a huge sort of scraggly beard, uh, eyes sharp, as which is like, you must go. I will tend to this here. Leave them together. They must. They need to be. They should be together. That's what are you talking about? What they deserve. They are nothing. They do not deserve to be together. Well, that why? Why demand an act? What is going on here? Everything. Everywhere we've been, there's been these horrible creatures. Miss, horrible miss, things. Miss, you must calm yourself. You cannot act like this. Look, I. You must know your place. I am the lady of this house, and I will not be talked to in that way by a gardener. 
well, maybe if you ask more nicely, we would be able to sort this problem out. But as you are not, you are hysterical. I beg you, my lady, leave this place to me. What's your name? Gilbert. Good luck, Gilbert. And you, my lady. And I turn on a hill and leave. So are you escaping the room? Or are you taking, or are you proposing a truth of the room as you walk towards the exit? Uh, I'm going to grab a, I think there's a trowel. Mm-hmm. Yep. That with blood on it. Mm-hmm. That's just been, that's in a, I think I just grab a random trowel because I'm like, well, I need weapons. Mm-hmm. And then I sort of notice that it has sort of dried, mm-hmm. dried blood. Yes. And like, that doesn't look like animal blood. Mm-hmm. So would this be a token? Like, well, what is the truth about this room? But like, what, is, it, is it a sign that Bluebeard is, is faithful or uh, disloyal? I'll tell you, it's a token of disloyalty. Okay. I think the truth is that, um, yeah, there are many more secrets in this house than there should be, and both master and servants work to keep them hidden. And looking at the trowel as well, it is covered not only in blood, but also dirt, soil sticking to it. You sort of shake away and you're able to leave. And that, I think we'll leave it there for this week. The Virgin makes a mental note to, to get Gilbert sacked at some point. <laughs> <laughs> He's just doing his job. Being um, an ass. <laughs> but thank you so much, uh, friends. Thank you for playing. Thank you so much for watching as well. Um, I've got a few minutes just at the end of the stream in case anyone wants to plug anything at all. Um, we'll go around in the same order and just say, or you can plug something up of your own projects or something that you like as well. You don't have to plug yourself. I just saying, but I will go go in the same order as we always do. So, Animus, Hazel, is there anything you'd like to plug? If anyone likes both LARPing and Cyberpunk, I've got a Cyberpunk LARP coming up. Um, you can go to our uh, Facebook page, which is Bobbit Worm Games. I'll put the thing in the chat um, and find out about playing out a Cyberpunk LARP. It's online as well. It's exciting. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I will say I've played in uh, one of Hazel's ones, uh, the Nautical Trench, which was amazing, but also annoying because we all died. Spoiler. <laughs> <laughs> I blame another player, but it's fine. No, it was really good fun. And Hazel is an amazing uh, LARPer and uh, GM in their own right. So thank you so much for that. Uh, Miriam, the Fatale, is there anything you would like to plug? Uh, yeah. So um, first of all, you can find me on Twitter at Media Junkie, Media underscore Junkie. Please do not do Media Junkie as some poor person got tagged in some another show I was doing that went kind of viral. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, but I would love, love, love to plug. Um, I'm part of Utopia, which is a Twitch stream for BIM POC by BIM POC. Uh, we are doing a charity, Pride Charity Brunchathon for this month. Uh, so um, every Saturday and Sunday afternoons, 2 p.m. Eastern Time, uh, we run games that are designed by BIM POC and have a QT POC cast uh, running. So this weekend special, June 19th, is uh, Juneteenth. 
Uh, so we're having uh, the Black members of the community come together and run and play games. And then on the 20th, we've got For My Family, which is a wonderful game uh, that is, uh, uh, I think, hacked from uh, For the Queen. And there's many more games also the following month, and we're raising money for Black and Pink, which is a great organization. Yeah, absolutely. And I can highly recommend following Miriam on basically anything Miriam does. They are incredible game master. And we're on quite a few of Bluebeard's Brides anyway. So instantly I'm like, ah, that they are in this game. But no, amazing. Please follow their work. Um, the mother, Vivian, is there anything you'd like to plug? Hi. Um, I'm Ocean1212 underscore W on Twitter. Um, you find the games that I've written at genderphage.h.io. And I'm currently playtesting one that's testing very well. It should be fun. It should be up. And I'm launching a podcast soon. It is not out yet. It will be. It's called um, Patrick Anthology. We have a cast of 11. And we're going to see how that goes. We're recording the games at the moment. And they're all really good. So Amazing. So is it, is, it, is it different systems? Or is it one system? Uh, we're currently gonna do six one shots in different systems first one and i'm playing in a game of dialect and a game of good society oh and amazing oh very good oh well definitely (laughs) checking that out thank you so much vivian uh david the virgin is there anything you would like to plug um many things uh obviously this is my own this is my own stream this is my own uh twitch channel so we will be back here next week for the concluding part of this tale um you can catch up on the other game that we played a couple of weeks ago with fiona um where we played some things from the flood uh, where it was meant to be a, a horror story but it basically turned into teenagers running around being stupid uh, there was horror in the end but yes um they, they, I, they, I, didn't, they, I didn't ruin it completely you didn't ruin um. it completely no uh, <laughs> but you did hide a, a skeleton in a chip shop Yes. <laughs> Spoiler alert <laughs> on that one. Um, obviously, there is my podcast, The Drunken Storyteller, where I tell folk, t- folk tales and delve into folklore and stuff. Uh, the latest story that came out was actually based on Bluebeard. It's the um, I retell the original story from Charles Perrault um, and then delve into kind of the connections to feminist folklore in that. Um, and I've done lots of other lots of other episodes on things like fem- um, Japanese folklore. I've done modern digital folklore and things like that. I'm also part of the Darker Days Radio Crew, where we do a podcast based on horror RPGs and uh, basically World of Darkness and Chronicles of Darkness, and also some Dark Hammer, which is the Warhammer Worlds. Mm-hmm. I'm also we've just finished it now but we'll be starting up again maybe in a couple of months uh Warhammer Fantasy Enemy Within campaign over on Gehenna Gaming Studios as well and Fiona was again involved in that uh, she yes. turned up for one session and had a very bad day very bad yeah. day and always, I've got a, always the way. <laughs> it was a very bad day for you you turn up and <laughs> then the city gets destroyed it might be your fault <laughs> And then one last thing, um, uh, there is another game in the works uh, that will be hopefully shown on Friday 30th of July, and this one is something special. Not that this isn't special now, this is an amazing game with some amazing people, but... We'll have words later, please. (laughs) Um, I've I've got something something (laughs) quite, quite cool lined up for that. Also, I'm a freelance RPG writer, and there's stuff out there that I've written in places. You, oh, might, find, well, you might find it, you might not, I don't know. 
anyway, that's <laughs> enough from me. <laughs> no worries. Well, I will definitely be checking out whatever's happening on the 30th of June. Oh, yeah, curious. July. 30th July. July. All right. Well, then I've got a month to wait, but yes. thank you very much. I, I, and need, then, I need time to prep. To write it. Fair, fair. <laughs> and last but by no means least, uh, The Witch. Amy, anything uh, you'd like to plug? Uh, there is not. <laughs> Other than you should probably check out all the guys' stuff because it all sounds really cool. <laughs> That's totally fine. Well, and I will finally finish off. Thank you for watching. I have been Fiona from What Am I Rolling, a twice monthly RPG one shot podcast where we do all sorts of different systems, which you can find wherever you listen to podcasts. And I'll just say goodnight. Thank you, sisters, for playing with me this evening, and we'll see you next time. What else will our bride find in Bluebeard's mansion? What will they see in the final room? Or will they shatter before they even get there? Find out next time on What Am I Rolling? The What Am I Rolling podcast was created, recorded, and edited by me, Fiona Howitt. This episode's players were Hazel, Miriam, Vivian, David, and Amy. This episode's RPG was Bluebeard's Bride, a tabletop role-playing game of supernatural horror set in a familiar fairy tale. Written by Whitney Strix-Beltran, Marissa Kelly, and Sarah Richardson, and published by Magpie Games. You can find out more information about Bluebeard's Bride and get your own copy on the official Magpie Games website. That's magpiegames.com forward slash bluebeards bride. The theme music was 8-Bit March by Twin Musicon of twinmusicon.org, licensed under a Creative Commons 4.0 license. If you want to find out more about the podcast, check out the website. That's www.wairpodcast.com. Fancy getting in touch? Email the podcast at whatamirollingpodcast at gmail.com. Finally, follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at WAIR underscore podcast for the latest news on upcoming episodes. And remember, adventurers need not apply.